Your attention, please. Give me a little intro there, Gomer. Manténganse alejado de las puertas. Some new friends have joined us. Can they imagine to? Of course! Everybody's on a laughing place, a laughing place to go, go, go. Just make believe You're a tiny little seed Dead men tell No Finder, your unemployed host of the old journey into imagination. If you have any work, please get back to me. But in the meantime, you're listening to WDW Radio. WDW Radio, your information station. You found that spot on the dial. Give a listen and stay for a while. Time for us to say hello. WDW Radio. And interviews, trivia, history, and reviews. All the dizzy stuff you need to know. WDW Radio. It's time to hear all about a magical place. Disney World will always put a smile on your face. Now the time is almost here. Sit right down. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this, this is show number 100 for the week of January 4th, 2009. Thank you so much for joining me to celebrate 100 shows. And to celebrate, what we're going to do is I thought it would be fun to gather some guests and some friend of the show together look back at the first 100 shows. We'll talk about some of our favorite guests, memorable and some funny moments, and so much more as Glenn Whalen, Tim Foster, Lori Burke, and George Taylor join me around the virtual roundtable to look back and forward at the show. And of course... No anniversary show would be complete without playing back some favorite and memorable clips. So sit back and listen as I tune the dial through some of the memorable moments of the first 100 shows. If you haven't heard all the shows as yet, it might even give you a reason to go back and listen to an episode that you may have missed or highlight some of the ones you may have enjoyed. I'll update you on our 100% for 100 shows fundraising drive with Pat Whitson before announcing the winner of last week's contest. I'll play some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So as always, please sit back, 
relax, and enjoy this week's 100th anniversary episode of the WDW Radio Show. admit that I cannot believe that I've hit 100 episodes of the WDW radio show because when Mouse Tunes ended back on February 4th, 2007, I knew immediately that I was going to move forward with an all new show on my own. And I have to admit that was a very, very scary time for me, but it was something I was still very excited about doing. And that very next week on February 11th, 2007, the very first episode of the WDW radio show aired And it was significant, not just because it was the first, but really because it was only about six and a half minutes long, which is about how long my intros go at this point. But thankfully, many of you followed me to the new show. Many more of you found the show along the way. And now 100 weeks and 100 shows later, I get to share this milestone with you. And so many of you emailed me asking what I was going to do for the 100th episode. I mean, going back, you know, five, six, seven weeks. And I I looked at a lot of those emails with that same blank stare when I was handed the essay portion of the bar exam and when it was put in front of me just having no idea what to do. So I thought that maybe rather than doing the obligatory clip show, even though I'll likely include the obligatory clip show as part of this episode, uh, or reminisce about 100 episodes on my own, I thought it'd be fun to hear from other people maybe about what they thought about the first 100 shows. So like Kermit says in Muppet Vision 3D, I invited some of my most world-renowned guests to help us here, but unfortunately, none of them showed up. I'm kidding, of course, because this week I'm joined by four people who have not only made multiple appearances on the show with me, but whom I consider some of my very best friends. And in no particular order other than ladies first, I want to welcome back Lori, co-host for the day, Burke, from wewantstheredhead.blogspot.com. Lori, welcome Hey, Lou, I am honored and so excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. Even if nobody else shows up, I'm thrilled to have you here. Now, I'll, I, I have to pay another $100 to be on the show, right? Absolutely. Uh, next, the man who shares a name with the lead character from Planet of the Apes, George the Librarian Taylor from Imaginerding.com. George, my friend, welcome back, and thank you for bringing Funnel Cake. Oh, of course, and M&Ms and everything else I could find with it, but <laughs> it's, it's more exciting to be here with Lori. Never been on a podcast with a woman before. Should be interesting. <laughs> what? Who? <laughs> I'm glad I'm your first. And next on the list is Glenn, Dr. Passamaquoddy Whalen from Passamaquoddy.blog.com, the funniest little fishing village this side of the Magic Kingdom. Welcome back, buddy. Lou, it's awesome to be here on your 100th episode. Thank you very much. And last, certainly not least, is Tim. Co- Stop calling me Samantha Brown already, Foster. From Guide to the Magic and my partner on Celebrations Magazine. Welcome back, my friend. I knew you would sneak Samantha in there somewhere. Oh, she'll be mentioned more than oh, once in this episode. episodes. <laughs> exactly. She will actually be mentioned on this show, not in context of Tim Foster. Yeah, oh. episode 53, and what was the other one she was in? Episode 62. 
and the shrine I have to her here in the yes. studio. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let me let me just start off, guys, seriously by by saying thanks not just for joining me this week, but on so many episodes. Uh, I, I certainly couldn't have reached 100 without you guys, and I really do appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, uh, I know there's be a big blank spot there. I was like, I better say something. <laughs> you know, and, and I actually, I almost wish that the show would have fallen one week after um, when I when it would be down for Marathon Weekend because it would have been a lot of fun to do this maybe live right from Walt Disney World. But you know, alas, timing is everything. So as I'm running, as you're running, as you're running, yeah. we would have been recording. <laughs> I would have run it with you with with Glenn in tow. So. Um, <laughs> That Glenn can hold the computer. <laughs> so, I'll be on a Java cart. <laughs> <laughs> I said during my, my very long and boring intro, according to George, that I wasn't really sure what to do with the show uh, and with this episode. And so I thought it'd be fun if we all sort of took a look back. And I know this is going to be very, very challenging for probably all of you, since I don't think any of you actually listen to any shows that you weren't on. But hopefully the show notes archive was helpful to you, <clears throat> Tim Foster. What? <laughs> I listen to each and every one. I'm sure you religiously, over and over again. But um, that's that's what I promised I would tell you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and listen, maybe if you guys want along the way, um, because we we are kind of just you know winging this to a certain degree, um, I, I will keep my finger placed firmly above the stop slash edit slash delete button. But if there's something that you want to ask me about the show or question that you may have asked, keep it clean, Tim Foster. You can feel free. Wow. <laughs> You're getting a bad reputation, aren't you? Yes. Undeserved. <laughs> but thanks, everyone, for the cream spinach on my doorstep that I got for Christmas. Of course. I mean, with nothing less or nothing more. <laughs> something like that. So, um, you know, I obviously, I obviously I prepared for this as well, and I went back, and I was looking through the archive, and I'm, and I'm going through some of the older shows, and I was listening to some of the older episodes, and I actually went back to the very beginning, and, and like I said, it was very scary going from the old show out onto my own for, for so many different reasons, and I listened to that first show, that first six-and-a-half-minute show. It was so bad, and I sounded so dry, I don't know how anybody kept on listening, but thank you all so much for hanging in there with me. I listened to it last night, and I'm still having nightmares. That, that was a painful six and a half minutes, wasn't it? <laughs> Very painful. I'd rather have a root canal. Now, honestly, yep. that was your opportunity to be like, no, Lou, it was great. And it was, you know, your yep. first show. Glenn, go ahead. Help me out here. I was just going to say that, you know, even though it was quaint, there was enough charm in there, Lou, to keep us coming back. Well, okay, oh, butt wow. kisser. Dude, wow. You just blew oh, George Taylor out of the water for the Lou Mangiello <laughs> butt kissing award of 2008. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to make you an award for that one. Well, see, I was going to say one of my favorite episodes of all time, I have to pull my entire list out here, was episode number 41. I don't know if anyone knows why that one is just so I special. I love episode Oh, the 41. Yak and Yeti review. Yeah, you're kissing yes. butts now. Wow. So I've got it written down here, episode 41. So I don't know why. But something down here. The one thing I will say about episode one, and that's something that I've done consistently from for every show since then um, was I had so much fun right off the bat with the old time radio tunes and the sound clips and it's something that that I really really enjoy doing and uh, hopefully I'm not the only one who's kind of enjoys listening to them some of the old ones trying to identify what they are <laughs> oh yeah that's great that's always fun and I always wonder where you get all that stuff from so 
But the other thing that I noticed, too, was it's really funny how the shows got progressively longer and longer. My first three shows were six and a half minutes, 45 minutes, an hour and 35 minutes. Three weeks later, I'm two hours. Two hours of a show. So, What's the record? The record is is just a hair over two hours. I think it was like two hours. And four. I, tr- I really try and... And there was one show I actually edited for like ever, and I was cutting out little ums and errs and... And seconds, so I could get the show down to like one fifty nine fifty eight because I think it just looks better than two hours in, in iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dollar ninety nine looks so much less than two dollars to me. Yeah, it's the show where Je- uh, Lou took out all the verbs, <laughs> no verbs on the whole show. Let's just go. Well, I think we can break that record tonight. Probably, <laughs> probably. But I, I look, and I, I'm, I figure I, I probably average about ninety minutes per show. So if you do uh, the math. 100 shows, that's 9,000 minutes, and I did a little bit of math. I knew that calculus would come in handy one of these days. That's the same as 450 trips around the Magic Kingdom on the Walt Disney World Railroad. (laughs) 1,000 showings. Imagine this. Sit through 1,000 showings of the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management, not the original. 563 voyages on your favorite lorry, Pirates of the Caribbean. 818 trips to the Haunted Mansion. 409 trips through the movies on the Great Movie Ride. In context, 693 times seeing Drew Carey in Sounds Dangerous. (laughs) Yum. (laughs) And 3,000 trips past the Yeti in B-Mode. I don't know who's nerdier now, you or George. Hey. You know, I, I bow to the master. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And that, that's all the rides you did this year, right? That is Well, I was going to put it in context of food and meals, and I tried to figure out how long it would take me to eat a meal, how many meals I would have eaten in Disney World in, in 9,000 minutes. But Three. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, but, you know, with, with Glenn ducking in and out. Yeah. <laughs> One restaurant to another, changing his clothes. See, the whole episode, Lou, you should have made it a contest where we do little hidden in-jokes, and the people have to write in and figure out what the in-jokes were to prove they listen. <laughs> but see, that's not fair to the people that are new listeners that are like, guys, I have no idea what you're talking about. I can't keep up. You guys are making all kinds of jokes that I don't get. Goodbye, Charlie. They're going to move over somewhere else to, to a much, much shorter show. That wouldn't be fair to me either. So. <laughs> exactly. Since <laughs> <laughs> Tim <laughs> He's only listened to 10 of the episodes. The top That's why I always recommend listen to episode number one. That's all you need to hear. That's six minutes. Before all that stuff started happening, everything is clear. <laughs> well, what you should have done is how many times you'd have to listen to episode one of your show. <laughs> to get to ah, 6,000. <laughs> to equal the 90,000 minutes that you've done. You have to listen to episode one 42,000 times. I don't think I would wish that on my worst enemy. You know what? You know what, Burke? That's the second time. One more time, and you might mysteriously drop off this call. Uh, I can call you back. Why don't we replay episode one right here, right now? No. (laughs) That is a bad, bad idea. I am Lou Mangello. I am a robot. I am by myself. Uh, And you know, it took me hours to record that. (laughs) It did. I, I I am not too proud to admit it took me hours to do it. Wow. Yeah. So, um... I should maybe put a little bit less thought into into what I was doing back then. I should just wing it like this. But uh, so, all right, let, let's just for argument's say, sake say that you guys have actually listened to shows other than ones or just the segments that you guys have been on. Do any of you, and I'll, I'll just sort of throw it out there, have any, you know, favorite or funny or interesting or dare I even say educational moments that you, you guys really liked looking back? 
ladies first, uh, Lori. Okay. Or Glenn. Ladies first, Glenn. Whatever you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll let Glenn go first. It's well, cool. I was just going to say that I don't have like a card catalog like uh, of of the episode uh, numbers. But I wh- do. What have... are you saying? What are you saying, Glenn? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I, no, that's not an insult. I just know that there are certain things that stick out for me that I enjoyed extremely, but I don't know what episode numbers they were. I really uh, appreciate any of the um, the. Did we lose somebody? No, I'm no. here. Where are you? Okay, I'm, here. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were just I'm we sorry. were enwrapped. Yeah. We were I'm waiting here here. with bated breath. Yeah. Okay. Like the tens tens of listeners that are waiting to hear favor us with with this list. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell my mom to turn up the the computer. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. So uh, anyway, I was saying one of the things I really look forward to were the uh, interviews that you had with some of the people. Obviously, I think everybody agrees that the Sherman in- interview was incredible. Uh, but even some of the smaller interviews uh, with Jason Zucker uh, or Steve Kirk or Charlie Ridgway, those were some that I really appreciated and had a, a good time listening to those episodes at least twice. Wow. And what about you guys? Were there, were there any of the, the interviews that, that you, other than your own, of course, were there any of the, of the other interviews that sort of stuck out in your mind that, that you liked or found interesting? Oh, yeah. Um, of course, when you interview Jason Sorrell, of course, an author, one of my favorites. I was like, woo got to get all of his books. But I agree uh, with Glenn. The Charles Ridgeway one was fantastic. Uh, all the Imagineers that you've been able to interview, it's just wonderful to be able to go back and listen to them. But I think one of my favorite ones of all the interviews that you did was with uh, Ron Schneider, mm-hmm. the Dream Finder. Back with episode number 34, since I do have a catalog of all of these and tattooed on my arm right here, so I can go back to my favorites. I just thought that one was just such a great sense of humor. He had a great sense of humor. You guys had good chemistry, shared a lot of information about uh, the Dreamfinder attraction. I thought it was fantastic. And, you know, you interviewed Lee Cockrell recently, which is great to hear another author. But, you know, it's like Glenn said, a lot of these interviews with Imagineers, some of the people behind the scenes that did a lot of this. Don Dorsey was another one that mm-hmm. that was incredible. Yeah, it you know the one thing about the the guests that I've had on, um, it's I, I've had the opportunity the, the show has afforded me the opportunity to meet and talk to so many people that I obviously wouldn't have had otherwise. You know, people either whose work I personally admired or who I thought would be interesting, or maybe none of us knew them by name, like a Jason Zucker, but we enjoy what they did, um, and then some others. You know, they just couldn't believe that I was talking to, and others that were just so fun to chat with, like a Ron Schneider. Um, I, I have to say, Tim, and I'm not talking about you here, Samantha Brown. <laughs> I was, was going like, to say, I feel like I have to say Samantha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was really big for me personally, probably because it's the first person that I had on, like, that my mom and non Disney fans knew who she was, you know. Um, <laughs> Probably plus also the first guest that I would have enjoyed dating. And I actually think that I asked her out <laughs> on her second appearance. I invited her to join me on Finding Name of the Musical. And so I was like, Lou, do you know you just asked Samantha Brown out? And I'm, I'm still waiting to hear back um, from her or her attorneys on that. But, it wasn't uh, <laughs> asked out. <laughs> Listen, I'm still holding out hope, okay? So, so, Tim, uh, that for the next show, the top ten celebrities that Lou has hit on during <laughs> well, the show. Uh, if it's once to hit on, I already got t- I already got five on. This. Yeah. 
And I think everybody knows anyway. Look, I've put it out there, and I'm holding out hope that someday a listener will will know Jennifer Love Hewitt and be like, yeah, Lou, sure, I'd be happy to introduce you to her. (laughs) You never know. You technically date. Can I date? Is that what you said? Her? No, can you date little Leota? (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, Or would that be impractical? Okay, so I've admitted we've, on the show... We've had some very disturbing moments <laughs> yeah. centering around the <laughs> Yeah, there probably could be... Well, you could probably do a top ten disturbing moments or uncomfortable moments. Uh, my unhealthy obsession with Little Yoda, Divine... There we go. Food. Why don't we stay on this topic for a while? This Why is- don't we not? Why don't we move... You know, because I, I, <laughs> I want well, to... I gonna, go ahead. I was going to say that I also enjoyed episode 82 where you interviewed the guys from the Muppet Vision that helped create that with ah. Jim Henson... Um, Jim Lewis and Craig Sherman. That was fantastic. But, yep. you know, I'll have to bow down to Glenn. I think the, the Richard Sherman interview was, wow, the piece they did our resistance or whatever it is. Definitely. Resistance fighting. Right. Yeah. And he made fun of my French when I was talking about the, the parfumerie. So, yeah. I will tell you that. It's, um, it's like Jersey. You're smelling me? <laughs> so, I just Sher- have an entire state now. It's going to hunt me down and kill me. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think it extends beyond the state, but um, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. I, I agree. Like when I was able to talk to him, um, I think of, of all the interviews I've, I've done. Um, I was most nervous for because of the, the magnitude of, of what he's done. Um, the person I was so happy to talk to personally because, and it 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 was a really big deal for me. I mean, whether anybody else had listened, whether anybody else had had enjoyed it, that's something that I personally. Um, like and there's other people too and I'm and I hate to name names because I don't want to seem like I'm singling anybody out because every guest I appreciate and value but George 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 <laughs> like oh, thank you, like so George nice. McGinnis um, who, yeah, right. again he's one of those old school Imagineers that mm-hmm. most people don't know his name but he worked on so many classics I mean he did so much his work was so appreciated but most people don't know and he was so humble and he was so thankful and so appreciative. And I'm like, Mr. McGinnis, you just don't understand, you know, how much what you've done means to us. Um, you know, I talked to Michael Brogy, whose father really was, you know, one of the the, the first Imagineers. But hearing his stories about Walt Disney from a child's eyes, um, mm. getting that perspective w- was really unique for me. And I thought J.D. Roth was pretty cool, too, from Walt Disney World Inside Out. was pretty cool. Have you heard about them bringing the show back, Lou? I mean, is this a... I have not. I have JD um, JD North Samantha have returned my calls. Okay. So it's <laughs> it's uh, Walt Disney World Inside Out with JD Roth and his friend Lou Mangello. <laughs> special guest Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, and Samantha oh. Brown. And we see how Little Leota was made. <laughs> <laughs> I smell Emmy. I, I'm just saying. I, I smell. <laughs> I smell Emmy? something. Yeah, who's Emmy? I was like, no, nah, that's the Jersey Shore. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but but so many of the guys, you know, other Imagineers like Sully Sullivan and right. you know right. guys who who are present in the company now, Marty Sklar and Dave Smith. You know, even guys who aren't. You know, like Steve Barrett, and you know, he's a li- Justin Michoni. I love that guy. I love the the CMO Justin Michoni. Mm. Oh, Justin! I love his job. Yeah. yeah, I definitely love his job. I love it's the perks. He's like, oh, I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Um, to harken back, but there's one thing I have to say about the Sherman interview. He's somebody that I have seen interviewed 
hundreds of times. And one of the things I always thought was very interesting about him is he sort of meanders and uh, he stays off topic. And most interviews end up being funny because they end up getting so far off to- topic and out of control. And your interview with him was the first time I ever had a cohesive interview with somebody. So you did an excellent job of keeping him on track by allowing him to talk, and he actually had a beginning, a closing, a middle, and a closing. Wow! Thank you. I'm not even gonna make a joke. That that was very nice. Thank you. Oh wow! I gotta bring <laughs> my A game. <laughs> well, you know what though? Honestly, like when I do an interview, I, I have to say when I do an interview with him or with anybody, I take the time and I research and I prepare and I'm and I'm ready. For the interview because at the very least not only do i want to know and be prepared but i think that they deserve that they deserve that respect if he's going to take the time to sit and talk with me and do this at the very least he deserves the respect of me being prepared um to interview him properly as opposed to just okay you know richard good tell me your story and let him go off so thank you i really appreciate that thank you and we're done. I'm done here. I'm going off on a high note. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, how prepared were you for this interview? Clearly not very. <laughs> so, and, uh, hey, well, hey, and I mentioned Don Dorsey brief, briefly. And, uh, you know, so many people love, like, the music and everything of, of, of Luminations. But who we, we now have a name to put behind uh, that sort of entertainment because nobody really knew who that person was behind all that true and, and that's why I like having some of these other guys on uh, you know guys like Jason Zucker and Mark Seppala and you're going to hear from some other guys like Ron Covey names that you don't know but you see their work in the parks you see their work in the attractions or in the merchandise or on a pin or you hear their music and I want to bring to light some of those people that don't get the recognition that they deserve because they are so incredibly talented and we talk about creating magic and that's what they do. Um, and that's why you might be like, well, who is this guy? But but hopefully you appreciate um, some of what they did, maybe the journey to, as to how they got where they are. But uh, you mentioned music, Glenn, and we talk about music being so important. I have to say one of my favorite segments that we ever did was the roundtable about the seven wonders and one of them being music. And that's yep, one of the ones I Episode 26. You got to throw the number out. Episode 26. Look at the librarian, man, with the Dewey Decimal System going over there. Awesome. <laughs> and it was the fifth wonder, in case you need to know. <laughs> oh, Lori, very nice. See yeah, that, Tim, Tim Foster, you see how prepared they come? You see how ready they brought the... I can't find the first one. <laughs> I had them all written down, but the first one, I can't find it. You, you know why you can't find the that first one? It was during one? Mouse Tunes. It was right? during yeah. Mouse Tunes. It was, it was the first wonder of the world. It was Spaceship Earth. Uh, it was Spaceship Earth. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Right, and and we are going to revisit Spaceship Earth again. We're definitely going to revisit right. Spaceship Earth again. Or maybe I right did. Right now? Right now. We're going to do it. I hope you brought your A-game. because we're I'm not dressed. <laughs> I need to... <laughs> <laughs> it uh, I start need to in there. It's okay. Going somewhere. But, uh, yeah, the uh, that roundtable about the music was definitely one of my... my favorite segments. And again, other than the ones that you were on, are there other segments that, that sort of stuck out in your mind, George Taylor? Because I know you, you were like, well, George Taylor was on episode number 93. I was, say, I was on all seven of these episodes. Right here. No, no, I think um, uh, the Horizons DSi was fantastic. Such a great trip down memory lane. I think you got a lot of comments about that. And uh, of course, I already mentioned that uh, the episode that Glenn appeared on with the Yak and Yeti. I was a little disappointed that Glenn got to be on the show before I did. <laughs> but you didn't invite me on until right before we went to <clears throat> Disneyland. 
Mm, which, of course. <laughs> hey, 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 now wait a minute. You all got to be on, and I had to pay to be on. <laughs> you didn't uh, have and- to pay, just so you know. <laughs> you did not have to pay. Yeah, yeah. I Plus, had to pay. Yeah, my check counts. <laughs> so. Oh, Foster, after this week, you're going to continue to have to pay, my friend. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, uh, the 09 rates just went up, just so you know. Ooh, just for that. <laughs> um, but I think uh, one of the funniest moments on the show ever was spoken by Mr. Glenn Whalen. I know he's going to be, he's probably blushing right now, but he doesn't have his video cam on. It was during the Mouse Fest recap, which is basically a 45 minute tri- tribute to uh, my brother and I, or my brother and me. It was fantastic for Last Mouse Fest. But it was when um, uh, Mr. Jeff Pepper had lost his phone while I was getting on or off the monorail. And you, no, you can't hear it, but in the background, you hear Glenn go, Please stand clear of my phone. And it was just, I'm driving home. I almost killed 14 people that were next to me. It was hysterical. One of the most sublime moments on the show, period, except for the one that Lou does later, which we'll talk about. But uh, it's awesome, Glenn. I have, to, I have to bow down to you for that one. It was just brilliant. And, you know, that's going to be my Facebook status for the rest of my life. Please stand clear of my phone. It was an awkward moment for me because there was no reaction. <laughs> well, I, I was laughing. You know, I think I texted you or called you immediately, and I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, so funny. You know, but, you know, just because nobody else appreciates you, Lance, I appreciate you. Now, what's the yeah. Spanish version of Please Stand Clear of My Phone? Por favor, no tengo alejanos de las telefonos. <laughs> wow. I'm going to be getting a letter from That's the Spanish impressive. embassy any minute now. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That is All right, George. Totally you, you, wrong, you, but it's awesome. You alluded yes. to what what I think I know that you're talking <laughs> about as as one of the other funniest moments, and, yes. and I think it's at my expense. Yeah, completely at your expense, as is everything we're doing tonight. <laughs> um, this I is going to turn spend, into a roast very quickly, I think. Well, yes, it is. Uh, I got to spend four amazing days in Disneyland with you, Jeff Pepper, and Eric Hollister. And besides not getting a lot of sleep because nobody wanted to sleep with three other guys and I'm afraid they were going to put shaving cream on them or you know, cut their hair funny or do something when we're walking around and having a good time. But we, we come back to do the recap because basically Lou needed filler for the show for the week, I'm assuming. But we're talking about the whole show and everything that we loved and everything that we did and the differences between Disneyland and uh, the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. And we get back to Critter Country and we start to talk about the differences between the uh, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. The, the rides on both co- coasts. And Lou exclaims, he couldn't believe it. We ste- we, I'm going to mess it up right now. We walked on poo. Uh, <laughs> we walked on poo right away. And it was that. Just, we all kind of stopped and we're like, did he just say that? <laughs> did he just say that? Yeah. And it's still my, my 10-year-old's favorite moment of the whole show. And he thinks that's probably the highlight of we walked on poo. We walked on poo. You have Splash Mountain, which obviously is a part of Walt Disney World's Frontierland, and the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which I'll take a brief second to to mention. It's all the way, you know, in the back, farthest corner of the dead end of the park, and I wrote it because I was curious to see the differences, and although I'm not a huge fan of the Walt Disney World version, nor do I understand the 60, 75, 90-minute waits, I really, really liked the Disneyland version of Winnie the Pooh. Um, I thought it told the story better. I thought the effects were better. I thought the transitions were from sort of scene to scene as opposed to room to room. And if you've ridden both, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. But I thought Pooh was a really nice... And we walked on it. We walked on Pooh. 
Yeah, Lou, you're right. <laughs> Lou, I don't think I would have laughed if you wouldn't have been so just so gosh darn passionate about it. I love poo. I just I just love poo. <laughs> Oh, this has to make the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm not cutting it out, so please keep the poo jokes to a minimum and, and move along. Well, Nothing to see here. And I, you know what? I, I, di- I was not intentional. I swear to you, I just said it, and I'm, and I'm like, what? What's so funny? We got to watch where you're stepping, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, what episode is that? I need to download that. Oh, that, that episode, I got it. That? Everyone's got it? All right. Show yeah, 58, episode... March 16th. 58. And just say so you no, know, Glenn, it, uh, George, it wasn't filler. My it, new was, it was why every Walt Disney World fan needs to visit Disneyland. <laughs> yes. So they can step on poo? So that they so can they walk can on poo. No, so they can walk on poo. They can walk on poo. You can oh, walk on poo. Oh, bear. Yeah, see, that was also my favorite episode because it was the second episode after I was on. I was going to say, you were on uh-huh. that one. And then, then I think that you were on again. Um, yeah, with, with Not like, long thereafter, yeah, like you started later, doing... Yeah. You start doing some yeah. some segments on books, mm-hmm. books right. or something like that. Yeah, so something like you that. You keep trying to break me out of that, but I'm like, no, I love my <laughs> you books. You want to come back to the books? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we did like the first book. The first segment was like the the, the, the five books every Disney geek has to own. Yeah. The, the, and you the, did the, stop me after a half hour going. Okay, let's talk about the next book now. Well, you talk about Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean from the Magic Kingdom the movies for like 45 minutes. <laughs> Awesome. I didn't want to be rude, but you know, enough. <laughs> it's Jason Sorrell's book. Come on, jeez. Anyway, so yes, those were my two favorite moments. And, and and Tim, you've been so quiet. I'm not allowed to talk about my favorite moments. <laughs> top ten favorite. Oh, okay, well, give no, us your no, top okay, well, ten, Tim. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. A good segue would be my one of my favorite episodes was episode number 38, where Tim Foster appeared with the top 10 spookiest things at something like at Walt Disney World or something. That was 38? <laughs> All right. Wait, I got to Yeah. So you were, you were on pretty early. Wow. You've been on that long, Tim? Wow, it's been yeah, a year ago. Apparently. Uh, no, it was the top 10 places to jump out and scare tiny children. <laughs> no, no, that, that, we sneak one of those in every top 10. Gotcha, like that's Luke, what it is. Don't like say Luke we. Sneaks. Don't lump me in, in your, right, you know. I sneak that in and Luce sneaks in seven things to eat. <laughs> <laughs> These are the top seven things I ate this morning that may have reminded me of Walt Disney World. <laughs> Mine are far less brutal than yours are. Far Scary is powdered sugar. What? Powdered <laughs> <laughs> <Outer> sugar? <laughs> oh. All right, so Tim, t- tell us what some of your favorite moments are, or your favorite top tens. Let's tell you what one of my favorite things, because actually, y'all kind of touched on the, the ones I would have said. In all seriousness, I, when I when I play uh, the episodes that you know I'm on, and others, you know, for my mother and you know grandmother and all that, <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, Lou, the one thing you do that is I I, I never get. It always gets me is like when we're doing the things on like right now, I hear it before you edit it and all that kind of stuff. But when you do your thing and you get the sound effects and the and the music clips and all that, that's so cool. And it, like my wife loves that. She, whenever we listen to the show, she goes, "I love that music. I love that song." <laughs> that's why it's a it's a su- I'm going for the subtle thing here because it's really amazing how you bring everything to life. I like when we were doing the spooky moments and I'm hearing. Hey, there's there's that howling in the back, but I I don't remember hearing that when I was talking to you and and all that. So, so obviously all Lou has to do is play theme park music for like an hour and a half, and <laughs> it'll make so many people happy. That's it. 
<laughs> you know, I, you know, I'll so, tell you something. It is, it is the it, most time-consuming part of, of what I do, um, trying to find the appropriate music or edit clips or, or do whatever, insert them. But it's some of the most fun I have, and that's usually what I'm up doing at, at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning because it's quiet and I can just work. And when I sort of sort of get going and get on that roll, it's something I really enjoy. And I don't, and I don't want it to be about the music or the sounds. It just sort of you know enhance and accompany the content that, that you guys are helping me bring to the show content? each week. But, um, right. <laughs> yeah. Content? For the most part, no, yeah, I try. Can, can we do huge? Are you going to take requests now? Can, I, can you play something behind me right now? What am I, Wolfman Jack? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of? You just play your podcast underneath us, so it's got all. Keep your feet voices. on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. I'm Casey Kasem. <laughs> you said what about Samantha Brown? <laughs> what, what'd you say? Keep your hands on the ground. Hey, kid friendly. No, no, kids keep your kids feet fun. on the ground. Is that what you said? What? Just so you know, folks, that's imaginerding.com. You can direct all your comments there. <laughs> hey, Sorry, Boris, so what can you... I talk about my favorites now? Yeah, and tell Cut us about out. your favorite books, because get ready for the future segments that you're going to be coming oh, on see, to Okay, discuss well, then that. we got a segue, because no, episode 86 was when Lori was on. Uh, 85, get it right. I know, I'm just making sure you're awake. <laughs> Hey, I'm fine. You guys are all just taking over. That's okay. Well, we were we were saving the best for last, and the best, and and I will tell you, Lori, that to this day, and I, you know, I mean this sincerely, I cannot tell you how impressed and moved and thankful I am for what you did for the Dream Team by contributing, donating five hundred dollars at at Magic Meets for to come on the show for free, um, w- which is what you could have done, and I, I will never forget that. Yeah. Wow. Very nice, Lori. Uh, mm-hmm. You're so sweet. Well, that's okay, because in honor of your 100th show, I'm going to go in and donate $100. <gasps> wow. Wow. And I'll, you know what? I'll match that. Wow. Okay, who else? Come on, guys. Step <laughs> I, up. I, we're all I, I, think, I think Tim Foster just dropped out again. Lost <laughs> <laughs> him. <What>? Hello. <laughs> I'll I'll say, wow. The connection just got really bad. (laughs) So, Lori, go ahead and tell us about your favorite moments. (laughs) (laughs) Really, honestly, for me, my favorite episodes are the ones where you do, like, the roundtables, where everybody's talking. I can relate to those more, like, when we talk about Mouse Fest, like, before going, after Mouse Fest, the marathon roundtables. I don't know. For me, I guess as a fan and a, you know, tourist going down, I can relate to, to that stuff a lot better than probably... You know the restaurant reviews, but that's just me being hey, me. I- yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen, don't start dissing the food, okay? That's my life. Dissing- that's my lifeblood oh, right there. <laughs> I'm not dissing the food, but yeah, you know, talking about the whole, you know, Mouse Fest last year, Mouse Fest this year, it was great because being there, I get to relive all those great memories too. So, you know, for me, it's a, a better connection. And that's what I try and do is I try and honestly bring a balance to the show so that there's something for. You know, the first the, the first time visitor or the visitor gets to go once every three years or the hardcore trivia fan that's, you know, old school Epcot and the people that, that do get to go down, uh, you know, and, and share some of these things or maybe the ones that don't get to go down and want to be introduced to things like Mouse Fest or Magic Meets or some of the other things that we do. So, and, and I'm always careful to try not to sound like I'm just, you know, talking about our, our great memories and haha, you weren't there, but include them in part of what we're doing and in part of what we did and, and encourage them to come down next time and be part of all the, the food and festivities. Yeah, I think it makes people feel like they actually were there, though. Like, when you and Mike talked about Marathon, I mean, it got me so excited to go 
There I am. Running. Tracy and I are signing up, crazy as can be, doing it, you know, two weeks or a week. <laughs> wow, have you been practicing for it, Lori? Um, well, not as much as I should be. Oh. <laughs> I'm following Lou's advice and I'm carb loading. <laughs> now. Not on cookie. Dunkin' Donuts work very, very yeah, well yeah. two weeks before the I marathon. I started carb loading in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll be down there a couple days before, so we'll... Uh, Eat some donuts, maybe some ice cream. <laughs> and Glenn works it off on Dance Dance Revolution anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, hey, yeah, there we go. We'll do that too. Get some extra training in. Lou, uh, with everything that everybody's been saying, we're having a lot of fun with it and everything, but it's I think it's important to to, to note that because of the different formats and the different things that you do have on your show, we all get an opportunity to discuss in our own way a passion of ours. Uh, George comes on and is able to talk about one of the 10 new books that he's read and he's got a passion there and he gets to get that passion out and there's other people who listen to the show that will share in that passion um, I, I've been on many times talking about food talking about uh, restaurant <laughs> reviews etc we, we've had we've had roundtable discussions where a bunch of people get together and have different points of view and everything but I think it's important to note that you've created an environment where people are comfortable of sharing their passions wow yeah it's the end well no and look i couldn't and i mean this i could not do this alone i mean i couldn't do this without you guys and you all bring something different to the table you all bring a different impi- a, a, a opinion a different area of expertise glenn maybe it's eating um but, but <laughs> you know and that's what you know, I enjoy um, is, is doing these things with you guys as opposed to, to doing a segment alone. Trust me, people don't want to hear me talk about things on my own. So um, <laughs> I, I enjoy these as well. And, I, and that's why I appreciate everybody that's come on the show. And again, I hate, you know, picking out people individually. But, but all you guys have been a part of the show being able to, to continue to 100 episodes. Wow. Is this one of those top 10 sappiest Cryingest moments. Yeah, no, we did that. We did that. No, but I will tell you, I, Tim. I will tell you my my top one hundred, top ten segments. I and, and the ones that that elicited the most response were the ones. Your top ten were the ones that I never would have expected. The ones that I was kind of iffy about doing. When I you like threw the it smells. Out. The, the smells. smells and the sounds. The smells yeah. got so much response. Whether it's you know on the forums. Emails, voicemails, I-, I could not believe it. And I'm like, people are going to see top 10 smells. They're going to be like, Lou, you've lost your mind. And I would have honestly thrown you under the bus, Tim, if that didn't work out. But, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, you're a musty water smell guy. My mu- Listen. Which, which was the favorite smell of <laughs> all to right. turn down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Musty water actually beat out funnel cake, if you can believe that. <laughs> Ooh, must, musty water smelling Not Not cake. in the top 10 snacks it did and that, no, and that was probably my favorite one, the top 10 snacks, because researching is really the most important part of the show. <laughs> so enjoying the top 10 snacks. So. Can I tell everybody when we think of a new topic, your suggestions, their first three are always top 10 snacks in Magic Kingdom. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. The, the, the top 10 snacks during my hotel stay at Mouse Fest. Just top 10 things in the mini bar. <laughs> I think we need to do the top 10 drinks in Walt Disney World. Oh, well. <clears throat> Blue suede shoes. Um, Blue suede shoes. I'm gonna tell you about the top ten things I've hey, been eating. I wrote a kids book. Eating during this segment. Just <laughs> a kids book. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know what, Tim? As long as I'm being, you know, giving sincere thanks, you actually did the the WW Radio Show logo. Yes, what a cool logo that was! And I and I very much appreciate all your work. Okay, now you need to say that like a hundred more times. That you know, did your logo? Wow! wow. (laughs) Guess what? Lou paid me in food, (laughs) (laughs) and he had some. Tim, you got paid? (laughs) What? ImagineErding.com, ImagineErding.com, ImagineErding.com. There you go. Now well, that was worth even. a nickel. Thanks. Um. <laughs> oh, gosh. And that I was, was deeply honored to do that logo. I, I was very sincerely proud to do that. Well, because you knew down the road that you'd want him to do a magazine with you. Exactly. <laughs> the whole thing I was, sucked I was him into that magazine. And, and the, the, the million emails, the, can you move it over a little bit? Can we try it in purple? It's <laughs> all worth it. All worth it. <laughs> Listen, I was trying to hone your Microsoft paint, paint skills as much as I could. So. <laughs> wow. Well, I just I think the balloons on the question mark are fantastic. So, And that's exactly what they are. Thank you. They exactly. Are. I mean, and... Again, there's so many people who aren't here that, you know, I want to thank. Like, Dave and Kathy Roshoni, out of the blue, out of nowhere, he decides to come up with the radio show theme song. Um, and that is I not, love that theme song. And I am not singing that. It is not Come me on, Glenn, singing. Glenn, sing it. Uh, well, no, no, no. I mean, that's not me <laughs> singing it, Lori, it on the recording. Don't, no, Glenn's got to start it. We sang it uh, Everest Weekend. We sang it? Wow, that, that's already existed. That's Around already the non-existent exists. campfire, we sang it. That's right. So... Glenn sang it. We just uh... <laughs> Glenn sang top it. Ten rend- top ten renditions. <laughs> Buddy, send him in. Send him. Call him in on the voicemail. <laughs> yeah. That'll be the next week's show. Just two and a half hours. People sing the same song over and over. Oh, the best one was Nick. Yeah, my son. Is. My son. Um, out of nowhere, we're we're down at my parents' restaurant. And he sees um, he sees one of my audio guides, and he goes WDW radio show, and he starts singing the theme song. And I'm like, well, Nick, wait, you got to stop. And I'm calling into the voicemail. I'm like, come on, on cue. What is that? And so yeah, I played it at the very. For those of you that actually make it to the very very end of the shows, when I play the voicemails, his was the end, um, maybe four or five weeks ago, whatever it was. So it was great. Yeah, that's a memory. That's a memory that'll last a lifetime. So now, did he get paid for that? He did get paid. Um, I'm going to plug his new podcast, which he's starting next week. <laughs> is it about Buzz Lightyear and pancakes? It is. It is. <laughs> so, you know, and, and as long as I'm giving out thanks to me, all those people that for weeks and weeks and weeks have emailed and called in, taking the time to call in voicemails, whether it's from home or from work or, or from the parks, um, I, I just think that that's so awesome that you guys take the time um, to do that because uh, it, it means a lot to me to sort of get that type of feedback because for the most part the podcast is kind of just a one way me talking to you so when I'm able to hear back from listeners via email and voicemail I just think that's really cool and I really do appreciate that so yeah. uh, a virtual you're welcome I guess <laughs> well thank you for, for, for responding for on behalf of, of the listeners oh, so. exactly <laughs> so I, we, just, we went through a bunch of episodes of things that we liked because of the radio show but one of the things I think is so interesting are things that happen because of the radio show that aren't necessarily uh, oh like not, world peace <laughs> world peace is, is uh, the end of global warming that was all yeah. stuff the gas prices going down you can thank me <laughs> the uh, internet no, increase I mean, in the price of 
with, with when Laurie was talking about uh, sitting around that fire with like uh, I don't know there was like ninety people sitting around the fire singing the WDW. There was nine. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Why do you gotta so, do that, Laurie? Why do you gotta just come yeah. on? Let the illusion, you know, don't, had, really, don't spoil the magic. Points. There might have been nine people, but there was ninety part harmony. Okay, it was ninety degrees out. Sitting by the uh, fire, and actually, when you did when the WDW radio contest happened, that I mean, every got everybody got all excited, and they were all participating and uh, getting involved in the big Adventureland contest, and that kind of stuff is is really cool, and it makes it more than just one singular podcast. It makes it like a little world. Again, and quick thanks to to Eric Halster. Who he did the marathon? Remember the marathon challenge contest, that thirteen-week contest um, that we did, and then uh, he was a big help with the Adventureland yep. challenge contest too. Uh, and that's and that's where it is. I mean, that's what I try and do with the show, and hopefully this comes through. Is that you know I always wanted people to feel like they were listening to a friend. You know, they're sitting across you know a, a booth at a diner listening to a friend talk about Disney, and whether we've met or not, I've always considered all listeners my friends, and, and I hope that kind of comes across. Um, but I actually. When I was making my notes, I kind of wrote down a list of, of top 2,000 things I've, I've learned or I've received or I've gained or, or I'm thankful top for. Top 2,000 things? Yeah, so sit back and, and relax. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. <laughs> I'm used to this at the end of every episode. He's got 50. Shut up, like, Tim Wow. I better go to the bathroom first. No, I'm well, only let's, kidding. Let's, we'll all put our headsets down and we'll come back in a half hour. He'll still be going. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to say nice things about you guys anymore. Oh, <laughs> I didn't oh Lou, we love you. Ooh, burn. <clears throat> but you know, you meant no. I, you mentioned the marathon, and uh, like that, I never would have done the half marathon <laughs> had it not been for the show. Um, and I certainly wouldn't have finished it without everybody else's encouragement and support. When I hear somebody like Lori say, "Well, if Lou Mangello can do it, I can certainly do it," so <laughs> I'm happy that uh, I, I was able to help you in your endeavor. And you'll be thinking of me about mile ten, saying, "What am I doing here again?" Oh, uh, now see, I think back to it and feel awful because I kept going, "Are you sure you're going to finish? Do you really think you're going to finish? Do you remember this?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, boy, I'm like the worst friend in the world. Doubting you. <laughs> no, somebody actually told me that they were waiting for me at the finish line. They didn't see me come through. They figured that I got swept and left. Oh. <laughs> Not realizing that I had finished earlier than they expected. So. <laughs> yeah, see, we, I saw you finish, and actually when you guys finished and you and Deanna were hugging, I was standing there bawling because I was so proud of you. Uh. I, I through the oxygen mask. I think I saw you bawling across the way. So. <laughs> Don't go towards the light. Is, is that before or after they put you on the stretcher? So. He would never got on the stretcher. I did not get on the stretcher. And then he waited for Mike Scope at the finish. He didn't even. They kept telling him to move along, and he was like, "No." And he waited. Well, you know what? And and that's for me personally. That's one of the things that that is the biggest thing I'm so grateful for. Is I never would have made what have has become. So many lasting, incredible friendships, and, and, and you guys, for the most part, are included in, in those friendships that I talk about. <laughs> Always got that disclaimer in there, I swear. I'm not necessarily pointing the finger at anybody, George, but for the most part, present company included. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's that Skype finger again. There it goes. <laughs> I mean, that's what I said. Like, the people, the opportunities that I had when I was talking about some of the guests to talk to people that that I admire and, and who I enjoy so much, you know, like a Richard Sherman are great, but it really is the friendships that, that I've been able to cultivate um, and, and meeting and talking with listeners from, you know, a, around the world that have said things to me that, that don't bear repeating, but have really, they've impacted me and, and they've changed me. And, and, and this show has changed me and affected me in ways that I never thought would happen. And, uh, and I really am so 
thankful for that. And, and granted, some of those changes include not sleeping very much, but <laughs> I, I love doing this. I love doing this so much. You talk about you know your passion, Glenn. This is my passion, and I am just so fortunate and so blessed to be able to do this uh, each and every week. And that you know, not that you guys don't listen every week, but for the most part, other people listen <laughs> every week to the show. Um, I, I'm so grateful, and so much good, so much good has come of it. You know, like oh, yeah. with. The make a, what we've been doing for the Dream Team project and, and Make a Wish, that um, you know that that's a benefit from the show that I never ever thought would would, would happen. Yeah. So you started talking about charities, and my first thought was, "Yeah, we got to eat at Club Thirty Three at Disneyland." <laughs> and then I start feeling really bad. Going, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Good stuff. Uh, charity work. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Again, that, that's imaginerding.com, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, that brings up a that brings up a question from me. Uh, can you nail down a moment that you knew you were hooked? Like, how old were you when you realized that this was totally your passion and you would do anything to make this happen? That he wanted to be a podcaster? Or did you get involved in Disney in that way, in, in uh, a, a way that eventually ended up being writing books, uh, working with on magazines, on podcasting, etc. Was there a moment at a certain age where you knew you were a, a nerd? I, I <laughs> listen. A lot of girls told told me I was a nerd very, very early on in my life, and um, that's that's a separate psychology podcast for for another day about how emotionally scarred I've become. Um, it explains a lot, though. It does explain a lot. It it, it truly does explain a lot, but. I've, I've loved it since a kid, and I've been very, very, very fortunate that I've been able to go since age three. I mean, we went in November of 71. We went back pretty much at least once a year, every year thereafter. George, like you, I was always fascinated with the books, and I was always picking up the souvenir books because I wanted to learn so much about it. And as, as much as I loved it, as much as I loved the place and the product and the magic and everything that was about it, and as I got older, was able to go with friends and girlfriends and not just my parents anymore and then with my with my my wife and, and my kids girlfriend? i did have a girlfriend i did have wow. a girl she was from canada um but I did. <laughs> she, she lived up by niagara falls you didn't really see her a lot but you know um at the canadian pavilion <laughs> right. but you know it i never realized that there was an outlet for me to be able to do it. and that's why i say i mean I, i'm blessed to be able to share something like this with people and it started off really with the books um i I had the idea for a book back in around 2003 or so Um, i was looking for a book on walt disney world trivia um and i was surprised that one didn't exist i was looking for sort of a personal challenge to do um and the idea of of doing something once and and being able to you know sell it over and over again or doing like a book came to mind and I was practicing law at the time, and I certainly wasn't smart enough to write a book about the law, and, and I had interest in, in IT and certainly couldn't write a book about you know computers. And the thing that I loved most was, was Disney, and I asked my wife if it was a stupid idea, and fortunately she said no, supportive wife that she is. And um, I, I literally went and locked myself in my office, and I haven't come out since, and wrote a couple <laughs> of thousand questions. And uh, when podcasting came on in, in 2005, um, you know, my first response was, what's a podcast? I think like a lot of people were. And uh, I, I was amazed, and, and I mean this, I, I was amazed that people would listen. I'm like, who is going to listen to me talk about Walt Disney World every week? And still people who are not hardcore fans or are not big Disney fans are like, wait a minute, you talk about Walt Disney World every week? For an hour and a half, and, and people listen? They're like, what are you possibly talking about? I'm like, well, usually it's food, 
Um, and then everything else is just sort of secondary and tertiary after that. So, um, I, I mean, I, I was amazed, and, and that's sort of the you know the benefit and the blessing of podcasting is is that anybody can do it, and anybody can be a publisher with with a blog or a podcast or a website or whatever it might be, and uh, we all have the opportunity to share something that we, that we love so much. Awesome. Good question. Bravo. Leave it, that, that away, Glenn. That way for grounding us. <laughs> I, that's just a, I'm just blown away by Glenn's question there. I'm, you know, my questions are like, so what's your favorite podcasting color? Um, <laughs> kind of a tree would you be? Exactly. What kind of a creamed spinach tree, no doubt. With oh, uh, That doesn't grow on trees now. It does? No. 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 It no, grows in nasty, dark, yucky caves <laughs> by trolls who... There's nothing wrong with that. It's still good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not on the pretty side, like, you know. Funnel cake. Funnel cakes, exactly. <laughs> a funnel cake smell. <laughs> so I won't ask you, Lou, um, who was your favorite guest of all time, because I'd hate to embarrass all the other people with us tonight. But, um, with us. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Lori? Is it time to go? Or, no, you said episode 85. 85. Episode 85. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for the dream team. Um, well, what made you, you – you talked a little bit about uh, when you first heard about podcasts and talking about what made you really, really want to do a podcast instead of just kind of really wanting to do a podcast? The chicks. I mean I'm, I'm just really doing it for the chicks. Yeah. <laughs> the checks? <laughs> the chicks. Yes. Chicks. Yeah, the chicks. <laughs> Was that Czechoslovakians? <laughs> what? <laughs> um. You know, I don't know. It, it was, uh, like I said, it was something very new. Uh, I, I think when we started he has uh, on the old... to spare, right? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> when we started the old show, um, you know, when I, was, when I was doing the old show, I think there was maybe three or four Disney podcasts that were out there at the time um, because it was so new, because the technology was so new and, and um, I, I'd hoped and kind of saw that that someday would become much more accessible for people that you didn't have to be a techie or have an iPod in order to get um, in order to, to get the show so and uh, it's been a learning trust me it's been a big time learning experience and I, I, I learn something new each and every week and try and hopefully improve the show each and every week and uh, hopefully that's actually happening so uh, com guess. compare episode one to 100 big improvement M huge <laughs> gargantuan leap there Let's well, replay episode one and see. <laughs> <laughs> For the second time during this episode, let's. Yeah, we can do one. like commentary during it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it could be like like the like DVD like like the director. Yeah. Cut. yeah. <laughs> the director's the, it's the door cut of the uh, episode. <laughs> well, did you hear that pause right there? He was thinking of something. I'm not sure what. It was something. It had to be something. Or did you, he scratched himself right there on his earlobe? You could tell. By the way, I'm the glad bike. you said earlobe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a family safe podcast. That kids book, always kids family book. friendly. Kids book. What's a kids book? <laughs> oh, just put on your earmuffs. <laughs> Those are balloons. All right, Those so <laughs> I will give uh, I, Lori and Tim, if you so want to. If, I mean, if there's something that you want to ask. Now's your chance, and again, Foster, please just keep it clean. Oh wait, I got I got to think of one. I haven't thought of a good question. Oh, I was geez. told I wasn't allowed to ask my questions. <laughs> uh, Lori had a standard disclaimer fact to her, saying you will not ask any questions at all. 
Um, it's because Lou and I have these odd conversations sometimes. Well, well, so. Ask him why he likes M&M so much, or, you know, if... if What's your favorite <laughs> color M&M? Because no. Pepsi and M&Ms got me through the writing of both of my books in the middle of night, and I have the physique to prove it, so... <laughs> yeah, but I think Lou should like that little M&M the M&Ms guy. he just got. What? Or did you eat them all? No, I have not eaten them all. And um, and I will say thank you to Lori for, <laughs> for all of her help, um, as well as Glenn's and April's down at Mousefest uh, at the Mega Meet. Lori was kind enough to bring me, um, uh, always always bringing me a very unique present, Lori, um, from my, my Jennifer Love Hewitt pillowcase to, uh, to this year... <laughs> <laughs> this is going to sound so much. Creep- it's going to sound much creepier than it really is. You, you got me. Well, why don't you t- say it? Because I feel a little creepy saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Tim, is is it Lou Mangiello underwear? It's close. It's close. no. I have those. Oh, oh no! Gosh. <laughs> no, they were M and with Lou's face on them. <gasps> Melting your wow! That is awesome. <laughs> there was a picture of Lou in a chef's hat. And then the other picture was him and Deanna. Just keep it clean, guys, please. Just <laughs> I guess there's so many things I can say, right? Oh, Tim, Tim uh, did you see them? They do exist. No. You didn't see them? Oh, we had them no. at the meet. I was was really- I will send you some, Tim. I was right. Thank you. Glenn saw them. Keep them refrigerated so they don't melt them. I will. And I'll, I'll pack some Andreas and send them down to you, George. So what does a Lumangelo M&M taste like? <laughs> Cream spinach, <laughs> <laughs> Tastes like a no way Jose. Hey, now we're talking. Now we're talking. I have a disturbing feeling it tastes like a funnel cake. <laughs> yeah. So I was hoping for. Ugh. I don't know. Funnel After cake. like a couple weekends ago, it probably tastes like a blue suede shoe. Yeah, it probably still does oh. taste like that. Yeah, it probably uh, does taste like that. But. Have we uh, started recording yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when are we turning this on? No, but I think I think that we are um I think that we're probably drawing to a close because oh. I, I see it, I see this degrading oh so very quickly and I didn't get to ask my question. Uh, well, I ahead. had a question, I thought of one. Alright, well go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead Tim. I haven't first. eaten in like twenty minutes, so come on. <laughs> <laughs> you can go first, Tim. Go ahead. Uh, my question, Lou, uh, uh, if this is putting you on the on the hot seat, you can beg off of the question. But I was wondering what sort of things you have in store for the next hundred episodes. <gasps> Ooh! Ooh. Ah. Ah. How many how many top tens with Tim Foster are there going to be? Ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the ones where Samantha's on. So I would love to actually get Samantha Brown and Tim Foster on the same show. And totally surprised him with with her being on. He would be tongue-tied. He would just have to leave. He would. I was tongue-tied talking to Samantha Brown. Um, (laughs) I will tell you um, that in in 2009, (laughs) um, I I do have some new things planned. Um, I have a few surprises planned. um, A couple of things to kind of enhance already what I'm what I'm doing um, a little more to offer you in the next couple of weeks I'd rather not tip my hand at this point um, but uh, I've been working on a couple of things that I'm going to uh, introduce in early 2009 that I think or hope that you guys really really enjoy because again I've just been getting way too much sleep so I needed to find a couple more things to put on my plate but I'm really I will tell you Tim that I'm really 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 excited uh, about one thing particularly that I'm going to start doing in 2009 
And is I'm that not. 2008 trivia calendar. It is a 2008 trivia calendar. <laughs> oh, that's a good-looking calendar too. Nice. And, and listen, give give credit where it's due, man. If you like, if you have the Walt Disney World trivia page today calendar, and you like how it looks, you can thank Tim Foster. Cover art, hey, each page, Tim. the little flip animation you, in the corner, all Tim Foster. If you don't like how it looks, that's why I lose banned from the Adobe Photoshop. <laughs> And if there's any facts in there that are incorrect, and I'm sure they will because I am human, blame George Taylor. Typo. Well, then blame Glenn Whelan from Pastor McQuaddy. Those aren't typos. Those are copyright traps. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I'm glad I had nothing to do with that thing. (laughs) Have you you looked at the whole calendar, Lori? Have you ripped out all the pages yet and looked at them all? Um, The only page that stays on mine is January 10th because it's my birthday. That's the only day that matters. Oh. What does it say on that day? Does it say this is the day? What, what day was Lori born on? <laughs> this day. Co-host for the day born today. So That was it. <laughs> All right, Lori. All right. It's, it's your chance, and, and I'm I'm quaking in my boots over here, but go ahead. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, I have a question and then kind of a challenge for you. Uh-oh. Uh, hold on a second. Back that bus up right over here. There you go. <laughs> And and a side note, I have now seen Blazing Saddles four times. That is why you rock and our co-host for the day. (laughs) My question is, what is your all-time favorite Disney moment? That doesn't even have to do with the podcast. Just in general, Disney moment. Has to be a Disneyland, Lou, with me. There was that moment with George where our eyes met on the, the storybook canal boats. Um. <laughs> and I was like, duck, Lou, I can't see over your head. Move <laughs> <laughs> out of my way. Well, he is question. ducking. Yeah, he was. Oh, hey, was look at question. Foster coming through with a short joke. Um, wow, my all-time favorite Disney moment. Well, maybe we should all talk while you think. You know, when you said that, I'll think out loud. It's, it's what I do anyway each week. Um, when you said that, one of the first things, a bunch of things ran through my mind very quickly. Um, one of which was, I have this moment in my mind of sitting on the, on Main Street with my daughter in in her stroller, face full of ice cream as the parade is coming down, and she she leans forward and she looks out and her eyes get all wide and she just starts, you know, giggling and laughing and she's just. She can't believe that these characters are coming down and they're waving towards her. And she's very young and she doesn't really understand to be exactly who they are. But there was a moment. And, and I looked at my wife and, and she got it and I got it. And I'm like, this is it. You know, it's so different when you bring your child to a place that you enjoy so much for the first time and see their reaction to it. You see it through their eyes. Um, and that is something I will never forget. Um, I'll leave out my, my failed engagement in front of the pink castle cake. Um, that that you know again still scarred. Let's talk me. about Olga. What what what? Um, wow, we'll but, talk uh, offline. Yeah, we will. We'll talk way way off. I need off I line. need to, I need to hear that. <laughs> um, but all time favorite. God, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's definitely one that that sticks in my mind. Um, well, what about the first time you had a funnel cake at Disney, or the first time you had, you know. Uh, burger or Pecos Bills or I, I will tell you I, I will tell you that um, I, I there, there are new moments that are created all the time I, I mean George honestly I, I say this not jokingly I remember when you and I first met in front of the UK pavilion two mouse fests ago uh, Glenn I remember meeting you you know for the first time you know you emailed me and said hey you want to just get together for dinner and 
I told my wife, I'm like, look, if I don't come home tonight, I, it's because I'm meeting this strange <laughs> listener at Wolfgang Puck's for dinner. And But, you know, and, you know, Lori and, and uh, what's his name over there? Uh, Foster. Um, <laughs> I remember the first time that, Tim, I remember, and I tell the story all the time. I remember I the first time I met you at Mousefest, you were walking around with your prototype of your Guide to the Magic for Kids book, now available at GuideToTheMagic.com. You walked over to my table that I was sharing now, with my now publisher. Now I gotta give you a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> ding! And Are we supposed to ding or something? No, please, no dings. Oh! Wrong show. <laughs> anyway, you walked over, and I remember, and I mean this sincerely, I pulled my publisher to the side, and I said, if you don't sign him up, you're crazy. Clearly, he, my publisher, is crazy, but that's beside him. the point. Uh, the publisher's like... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I still believe it is the most beautiful... Disney book out there, bar none. And I'm not saying it because you're here and I have to. Yes, you but you do. Um, By the way, I have changes to the logo coming, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> you see how this works? <laughs> yeah, but but Lori, you noticed that you know, it was a great question and his favorite moment still had food in it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. No, his face had ice cream in it. I was, that was my question. I was like, I was like he said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was like, Wait a minute. Um, face full of ice cream. Did he? He didn't say if it was his daughter or him. Mm. <laughs> it was my you know, daughter. He, and he's he still not out. talking. Do you notice? Yeah, he's still not saying it. <laughs> and he left out that the first time him and I met after we had dinner at Fifties Prime Time, people thought him and I were married. <laughs> I tried to leave that out. Um. I don't know. It's because we were both short, or what? Why? But you know. All right. See, now you have to explain because people. We, when we oh, first met, the first time we met, you took me out to dinner with your husband there as well um, at 50s prime time. He went off to go somewhere and we went to get hot chocolate. And the woman behind the counter said something like, you know, I had on a 10th anniversary. My husband and I were celebrating our 10th anniversary and I had on a, you know, celebrating our 10th anniversary button with a photo of me and my husband. <laughs> Who looks and just like me, by the way. He's like six, nine, has a beard, yeah. you know. Yeah. He's really tall, and you know, I think we were arguing over who was going to pay for the hot chocolate. And she's like, "What's your anniversary? You need to let him pay for it." And I'm like, "Oh, well, this isn't my husband." <laughs> and then suddenly, Aaron came up behind you. What? He's like, "What?" Because <laughs> he's such a tall guy, it's got to be what. You felt the thundering footsteps. Glenn and I actually get that a lot too when we're arguing over <laughs> who's going to pay for the checks. <laughs> we need to clarify that. Who's pay for this? <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about you guys' dates. <laughs> It's research. It is all in the name of research. That's the real benefit of the show is being able to go down. And listen, I, I, I say it all the time. I said my my mother didn't raise any fool when I decided to write a book about somewhere. I, I think Glenn, you said you know I didn't decide to write about you know sanitation removal. I decided to write about Disney. So when I have to go down right. and research, I'm uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to go down to Walt Disney World. So darn <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay, you ready for your challenge? All right, That's go ahead. Give me my... T I was hoping to just kind of wrap it up without the challenge, but go ahead. Uh, no. I, I don't even know if you want to call it a challenge, but I am asking you to do the Tower of Terror race with me in October 2009. Done. All right, baby. Not even thinking about it. That was it. easy. Not even thinking about it. I'll do it. But Lori, he's gonna, he's gonna, he already hit the edit button. So <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think we stopped I stopped recording like two hours ago. <laughs> it'll get cut, it'll get edited out of there, I'm sure. Wait, you have witnesses, though. No, yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be, uh, Lori, here's your challenge. Lou, do you like M&M's? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just call his wife, I'll get her on, on it, too. I will definitely do it. I will definitely do the Tower Tower Challenge with you. So. All right. 
It'll be fine. Oh, I better start running now, Lou. Uh, I'm waiting to hear one of the other guys being like, yeah, I'll do it with you, too. Come on. Yeah, come now on, you... Glenn. What you know what? is it? Is it 13K? <laughs> what is it, 13K? Is it's, like it, a 13, um... it's a 13K. That's like, did the... that's like 100 yards. Can I you use my segway? No, <laughs> you did the Everest oh, you challenge. Did a segway? You can use a segway on it? No, but oh. you can actually eat on the course, which is nice. They have little <laughs> so buffets should, set up. You should start carb loading now. <laughs> <laughs> I think Glenn should do it. I mean, there's no hurdles to climb over. <laughs> you just run. Now, nobody asked Tim to run. Tim can run. Tim, you want to run? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> <He'll be running. laughs> Come on, George. I'm so, my uh, mic just cut there. Sorry. About uh, I, have, I have a torn meniscus and a torn ACL. So. Oh, mm. boo-boo. Uh, no, that's what I do when I walk. So. <laughs> Tim will do it if there's cream spinach at the finish line. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Wow. WDW radio team. Lori and her three <laughs> men. Three musketeers. No. <laughs> Only Musketeer. if I get a cool t shirt. You will get a two. Well, you're going to get a cool t shirt because you're going to be doing the logo for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you can have whatever you want. Ooh, make them really cool. Yeah, make them look like they've got cream spinach smeared all over <laughs> them. Can you do that for a logo? We can um, make them. Well, that's, that's what Lou's logos look like. Wow! So, so you're saying Lou doesn't have any mad graphic skills? Um, wow! I, I, let, me just, <laughs> let me just say, uh, I, I will. I, will I taught Tim everything he knows. What I, I heard that so many times at Mouse Fest. Well, you also heard that Celebrations Magazine looks as beautiful as it does for no other reason than Tim Foster. That that is all him. Yeah. And big big kudos to you, Tim. I, I am honored to be associated with you in the magazine. Here, here. See now, don't you feel bad? Don't you feel like a tool being so mean to me? <laughs> did you call uh, me no. a tool? I did. I called you a tool. <laughs> don't you feel like a craftsman? Um, oh, we're not allowed to say brand names. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other challenges before before we go? I challenge you to get me into Club 33 again sometime in 2009. Again? <laughs> no, no, Walt's apartment this time. Might be able to make that happen. We have to do another Disneyland trip. You're all invited. Oh, I want to go. You're all invited. I want to go. I've never been to Disneyland. Well, Glenn, you're quiet. You don't want to go? Uh, I heard last last uh, recording of last Disneyland trip. I'm just a little worried. So. <laughs> he doesn't want to well, step okay. in poo. I, I just have yeah, two exactly. words. I have two words Take- for you. <laughs> Separate rooms. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because a lot of people snore. That's all I'm gonna say. Well, I'm glad I'm the only girl. If we go, I get my own room. And if you take Eric Hollister, I mean, the guy's so big, he scouts out the best way to go in the crowds. It's awesome. <laughs> But he can't sit in any of the ride vehicles. It's horrible. I mean, he is know. like a human Brazilian tour flag, that guy. Because you can see him from anywhere. In the Where are you? We're standing next to Eric Hollister. Oh, okay. I see him. So he towers over the Matterhorn. <laughs> it blocks out the sun, that guy. <laughs> That's why Lou didn't wear any sunscreen that day. <laughs> oh, God. Too bad he's not the here to... The Yeti got out. The Yeti got out. <laughs> Oh, poor, poor Eric. Big fig, Eric. Big fig, Eric. Big fig. Okay, well, I guess I guess the, the final question is, what are you going to do the 100 episodes after the next 100? <laughs> oh. 
Ooh, yeah. Be interesting to see. Do you have any four people that will not be invited back? Who's going to do the 200th wrap-up show? With Here's this week's trivia question. Which of the five people on this conference call will not be back in 2009? <laughs> Ooh, which of the five? Um, let's see. Lori has to pay to get back on. Um, there's got to be a good book coming out for me. Tim's got to represent the magazine, so Tim will be back. Um, Glenn likes to eat, so Glenn will be back. Huh. I guess Sorry, at least Lou. Lou. Yeah, you know, Lou, you won't be Sorry, back. You know, George, Sorry, there's, a, um, there's an old adage, uh, an old <laughs> poker adage, that if you're sitting at the table and you can't find the, the sucker, then, then you're it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So Just say on what? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Um, Thank you guys again so much. Uh, like I said, I, I so much fun this show is for me to do each and every week, and I'm, I'm so thankful. And I feel so blessed to be able to share it with you. Um, I never thought I would hit 100 shows when I was coding my first XML feed and trying to figure out that you know mess almost two years ago, and it's now become such an important part of my life. Um, and again, the, the friendships that I've made with you guys and with so many other people uh, mean so much to me and uh, I have to say even though she probably won't listen big monstrous thanks to my wife and my kids for the sacrifices they make every day so that I can do this and the support of like my parents and my brother and, and so many other people um, so I, wow uh, the, the sacrifice your kids have to make like trips to Disney no like you know hey kids can you keep it quiet upstairs daddy's trying to record <laughs> Well, I, I was going to mention to you, Lou, that you are going to get a bill for my 10-year-old. Um, I'm paying him $5 to keep the 5-year-old quiet upstairs. <laughs> I, told him, I told him, you know, Bill Lou Mangiello at the WDW radio show. Wouldn't they like yeah. a calendar for the, for the new year? <laughs> Lou, on well, behalf of, like of all your... Uh, Let us just say something very meaningful. Quite. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, on behalf of everybody who's listening, <clears throat> new listeners and old, we have to thank you for uh, giving us a little bit of that magic every week. A lot of magic. Uh, the mostest, amazingest magic every week. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that Glenn? <laughs> well, wow. thanks again, all you guys, especially Glenn. Um, no, <laughs> there, there is always next week. there is always a place for you guys here on the show with me and and uh, Glenn from Passamaquoddy.blog.com, Lori from WeWantTheRedhead.blogspot.com, Tim Foster from GuideToTheMagic.com, and George Taylor from Imaginerding.com. I really, really do appreciate you guys uh, taking the time, reminiscing with me, looking back and, and looking forward a little bit. Again, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, for listening each and every week. It really does mean a lot to me and, and for all the help in getting to 100 episodes. Uh, it's fantastic, Lou. Glad to be a part of it.
I'm pleased to welcome you to the very first episode of the WDW Radio Show. Do a little Disney scene investigation of Pecos Bills. You read that introduction just the way I wanted you to, to, to read it when I, when I wrote it. I said, if I write it this way, will he read it the right way? And, and you did a great job. So I, I guess the lack of sleep had finally gotten to me, and I threw it out there <laughs> on the air that I was going to train and run for uh, the, the half marathon. So I am recording live from the Disney MGM Studios and sitting here with a true Disney legend. And let me just say that it does not get any better than this. I am talking about none other than Disney legend Charles Ridgway. Charlie, welcome and thank you for appearing on the WDW Radio Show. Well, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to see you again, and I look forward to a lot of times in the future we can have some good times together. As promised, I am finally getting to the second of our seven wonders of Walt Disney World. And I apologize for the delay in getting to the second, but we are finally there. And I wanted to enlist the help of friend and voice guy, Jonathan Dichter, uh, to go through this segment with me. Jonathan, welcome again. No, I'm happy to be here. I love audio animatronics. And Did I just spoil that? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can tell, the second of our seven wonders. So let me just cross out all the stuff that I had to kind of lead into what this was going to be. And this week, I welcome in a very special guest, Michael Brogy, son of Roger Brogy, the very first Disney Imagineer. He's going to come on and recount some amazing stories of growing up around Walt Disney, as well as working with Walt and his father, Roger. Additionally, he's also going to share some of Walt's secrets to success, tales of Roy Disney, as well as Walt's interaction with his Imagineers. Uh, he was just another one of the railroaders uh, out uh, playing trains, and that's what I always... Uh, Looking back on it, I uh, realized that r my brother and I were the short kids, and Walt was a tall kid, <laughs> and we were playing trains. He was very curious about what you thought, and when he talked to you, it wasn't like an adult talking down to a child. He would kind of uh, talk to you at what I call eye level. He would not uh, mince words, in fact, uh, he was known to have quite a salty uh, vocabulary. And Walt would get behind the, the bar, he would build drinks for the adults, and then my brother and I were sitting up in these tall stools there, and he would get back there and he would make these one-of-a-kind uh, Walt Disney Sundays. Horizons really was representative of all the themes of Epcot and Future World specifically. In fact, th there was this, this one attraction really encompassed all the themes of Future World. For example, the, the central theme, the really pervasive theme that was not only uh, related to Horizons, but in uh, everything that Disney does, from its theme parks to all forms of entertainment, was the family. And we talked before about this being a sequel to the Carousel of Progress. Well, this was this next generation family from the Carousel of Progress that we were going to meet and get to know them. Um, and because it really was less about the technology, but more about the purpose of it and, and how this technology was going to help us and help our families. And if I say Walt Disney World, what's the first image that comes to mind? If you're like me, it probably involves some sort of food item. But if you're like most other normal people, you may see an, an image of our next wonder, and that's Cinderella Castle. 
As if you didn't think I was enough of a geek, uh, between my Disney obsession, my incessant ramblings about relative obscurities in and around Walt Disney World theme parks and so on, well, the fun's not over yet, because I'm a Star Wars fan as well, and I'm not the only one. In fact, I've brought along two other Disney-slash-Star Wars dorks to come on and talk about an event that turns the Disney MGM Studios into a mecca for guys and girls like us from all over the world, Star Wars Weekend. Well, first of all, I should mention the reason I'm talking about it on this show, Lou, is because I I attempted to do a show about it. I was ridiculed <laughs> with snoring sounds and, you know, sound effects in the background, the wrong sound effects from Star Trek that people, you know... <laughs> Come on, Jonathan. I mean, there's nothing worse than confusing Star Wars with Star Trek, right? An exclusive interview with the legendary Don Dorsey. You may or may not know him by name, but I guarantee you know his work, as he created arrangements for the Main Street Electrical Parade, scored laser-phonic fantasy and illuminations, directed Sorcery in the Sky and Epcot's World Showcase, and in 1999 directed the new illuminations, Reflections of Earth. For this week's Disney scene investigation, Dinoland USA in Disney's Animal Kingdom is what many people consider to be really the ugly stepchild of Disney's Animal Kingdom. For a park that's so rich in, in beauty, in story, and theming, this land is often considered to be an afterthought, really devoid of the true magic that Imagineering puts into everything they do. It's been called everything from a carnival midway and not very much in a complimentary manner, to so many other things. Well, this week, I, Jeff Pepper and I are going to try and help change your opinion. All right, tell the monorail stories. <laughs> yes, folks. <laughs> when, when you're with Lou at the Magic Kingdom, and he says, hey, hurry up, we can make that monorail train. <laughs> Say, no, Lou. We'll catch the next one. Well, if you're Lou... <laughs> Hurry, me, we can make it means I assume that you're right behind me. <laughs> okay, let's... I hear the doors close, I turn around and start talking to you, and there there you are on the platform, waving, waving. to me, <laughs> you know, like like I'm leaving, you know, leaving on, on a bus to, to go overseas, and I'm like, what? Well, uh, uh, pick up, you know, pointing, well, you know, doing the, you know, the cell phone, you know, <laughs> with my hand. Right. Like, Call me! <laughs> my hand up to the window, like... Yeah, well, yeah, we were just we were saying there, you know, before we went on the air with this, you know, if we could put our hands up on the glass. You know, geek! Like, I felt like it was a scene from Midnight Express or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, oh, and Billy. again, all books, you know, the, 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 the cast member, you know, that was the monorail station person there, just like, what are these two idiots doing? <laughs> Look, you know, you like my kids. You slow me down, I'm going to leave you in the dust. Sorry. <laughs> I love you stranded at the monorail station, but... No piece all about the American adventure would really be complete without talking to somebody that knows it probably better than 99.9% of us out there. And that's Lonnie, and he has been a cast member at the American Adventure for coming on five years now. I enjoy sharing information when guests arrive because it is more than just a pavilion. There's all kinds of things here to notice and observe, and uh, I think it enhances any guest experience when they come, if they take the time to look. It's really been about the people that I've met and the community that I've able to, to become a part of. And it's, it's a community that, for me, has really grown into a family of sorts. And, and part of that community and that family has been the ability to meet so many incredible people and make so many wonderful friends. And one of the things that I really consider myself fortunate to be a part of is something that's happened for the fourth time this past weekend, and that's the Magic Meets Fan Gathering. 
or the amazing uh, job that was done with the with the Dream Team auction, you know, and nine thousand dollars raised. You know, we we blew away last year's <laughs> figures, blew away. I couldn't believe it, you know, and and, and it's just uh, a, a lot of thing, a lot of great things happen, a lot of good smiles and happy people. Throughout Walt Disney World, there's a number of attractions that really don't start once you sit in your seat or get on a ride vehicle or the lights dim in a show. Many actually start as you approach the building, like Muppets or Everest, and actually specifically like Everest, they actually begin telling their stories and setting the stage for what's to come. This week, Jeff and I are going to feature one such attraction. It's a Disney classic. It appeals to adults and kids of all ages. I'm talking, of course, about the Jungle Cruise. You know, I'm not the only guy who walks around Walt Disney World not riding attractions, but instead staring at the pavement or the windows or the walls or other obscurities all around the park. But we're the exception rather than the norm. But there's one other guy, a strapping young man who can often be seen with his fedora hat on, camera in hand, and pages of 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 notes and emails from all of his adoring fans, and a man who has fueled the addiction of Disney fans worldwide for years with his books and his website. And of course, I'm talking about Steve Barrett, author of The Hidden Mickeys, A Field Guide to Walt Disney World's Best Kept Secrets. Thanks for having me, Lou. I, I, I'm not exactly a strapping man, but, <laughs> you know, I like, I like that adjective for sure. <laughs> Hello there, WDW Radio Show listeners. It is Eric Hollister, and it is time to update everybody on challenge number two. Lou's actually out running about three or four miles prepping for his own half marathon in January, and we know that many of you will be joining him. So he's asked me to go ahead and come on and announce the winner. I've always said that Walt Disney World is really a giant 3D movie with us as guests right in the middle of it. And in many cases, it's really not just as somebody who experiences what's going on around them, but we become part of it. And an integral part of telling the stories that we become so immersed in is through our next wonder. And that is the music of Walt Disney World. It's what you bring home from the parks, even more than a photo or or maybe a souvenir book. As soon as you hear that music, whether it be... uh, uh, Haunted Mansion or Pirates, you're back in the Doom Buggy, or you could see that attraction right in front of you. And what That's the power of music, if I could say that. Into the attraction, and you still get that same visceral experience. It's almost overwhelming you how much you get in just audio. And it picks up the cues from the film beautifully, and it just completely surrounds you as you go through it. And then you go almost as if you, you're following the narrative of the film, and the music carries it. It's just exquisite. Then Peter Pan. So Peter Pan, as far as music is concerned, is at the top of my list. When you were, t- you were talking, it almost feels like we're leading right up to the penultimate kind of piece of music that really kind of brings down the house, and that's Reflections of Earth. Yeah. Today is one of those rare, very special opportunities where I'm fortunate enough to meet and speak with somebody whose work I've enjoyed and admired for so many years at Walt Disney World. His work is legendary and includes helping to create attractions in Walt Disney World, such as Space Mountain, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, the Woodway People Mover, Spaceship Earth, World of Motion, Kilimanjaro Safaris, the Mark IV and Six Monorails, and, and countless, countless others. And he's primarily responsible for Imagineering my personal favorite, Horizons. 
His work has extended beyond the theme parks into Disney feature films, and it continues to be enjoyed by millions of people worldwide. So it's my distinct honor and pleasure and privilege to introduce a man who really needs no introduction. He's former Walt Disney Imagineer, Mr. George McGinnis. So in 71, Roger Brogy told me to go over to John Hench's office, and I did, and John put me on Space Mountain, told me to have a pre-show and a post-show along a belt going in and a moving belt going out and have the load area at the back. And so I laid that out and Bill Watkins did the track around my show concept. Beginning as a show designer at Walt Disney Imagineering, my next guest conceived and designed some of Disney's most memorable characters, attractions, pavilions, and even complete theme parks. And for more than a decade, he served as the creative leader of Tokyo Disney Sea in his role as Senior Vice President. So I am pleased to welcome former Walt Disney Imagineer Steve Kirk to the WDW Radio Show. We're going to look at a kind of a somewhat similar character slash sidekick connection because, like the Dreamfinder and Figment, for the most part, they can no longer really be found in the parks, yet they have a similar sense of, you know, this nostalgic relevance to so many of us that have childhood memories of them. And I'm talking about the little orange bird, who was the figment to Anita Bryant's Dreamfinder. Now, Jeff, in that one sentence, I mentioned names that most of the younger listeners may not recognize at all, especially maybe Anita Bryant. But for some of us old-timers, I guess uh, we, we remember her as well as the orange bird pretty well. <laughs> Recently, we profiled the original Journey into Imagination Pavilion and Attraction as part of our Epcot retrospective series. I followed that up with an interview with former Imagineer Steve Kirk, who was not only instrumental in creating the attraction, but along with Tony Baxter, was primarily responsible for creating two of Disney's most beloved characters, the Dreamfinder and Figment. And needless to say, the response from listeners was wonderful, as many of you not only had strong memories of, of the attraction, but more specifically, the characters themselves, and a lot of you wrote in and actually sent photos of yourselves or your children with the Dreamfinder, who was really one of the most unique of all the walk-around characters ever to stroll through any of the Disney theme parks. Well, as fate would have it, guess who else was listening and felt compelled to write? That's right, it was the Dreamfinder himself. And no, the, the lack of sleep hasn't made me lose it just yet. But I'm actually talking about Ron Schneider, who was Walt Disney World's original stroll-around Dreamfinder and Figment character, as well as the voice of Dreamfinder for parts of the Journey into Imagination attraction. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. It's great to be here. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be funny if that was Tony Baxter and Marty Sklar, and that's who it was. They had no, called no. up, I don't know for what, but the next day I was in uh, back at WED auditioning for Exitensio, uh, to do uh, the Dreamfinder. Dreamfinder needed Figment and loved and appreciated Figment, that whole side of creativity. This immediately gave me the relationship. Here's Disney's newest authority on imagination from the Imagination <laughs> Pavilion here at Epcot. He is Dreamfinder. Hello there, Brian. Good to have you here at Epcot. <laughs> I'm pleased to be joined once again by Jim McPhee, Vice President of Epcot, as we celebrate and enjoy Epcot's 25th anniversary today. 
Well, I couldn't think of a better day to, than, to, than today to be here. Thank you, Lou. It's a special day for us uh, here as well because we know so many of you that are here, whether you're with uh, specific fan groups or just here for your first time, are such huge supporters. And frankly, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today without that support. In my Legends of Disney interview series, I'm pleased to welcome Bill Sully Sullivan to the show as he and I sit down to talk about his fairy tale beginnings with the Disney company to his rise in the organization and various roles in Walt Disney World. He reminisces about working for and with Walt Disney and shares some memorable stories about his amazing experiences through his 38-year career. Well, we always knew when Walt was around and, and gained a lot of knowledge just through osmosis and from what we heard and what we saw. And, and it was interesting to watch him because uh, he, he, he didn't want people to do special things for him. He would just wanted to walk the park and and if he was dressed up in his blue suit and his smoke tree ranch tie, uh, he was just out visiting the guests. I had a chance to interview Captain Tom Forberg, captain of the Disney Magic, to find out what it's like to command the flagship of the Disney Cruise Line fleet. The group that I put together was also given a private tour of the bridge with the captain, where I recorded some of the questions and answers about this fascinating ship. When we talk about some of the notable names in Disney Imagineering, so many come to mind, and each possesses a wide variety of talents and contributions to the parks and resorts. And today, a new generation of Imagineers continues in this story tradition and carries on that legacy that wasn't started by a mouse, but by Walt Disney himself. And my next guest is just one of those Imagineers. From a college program Jungle Cruise skipper to working on updating revered attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean and, more recently, the Haunted Mansion in Walt Disney World, he worked his way up through Imagineering to be one of its true creative forces. But beyond his work in the parks, he's a celebrated author, having written a definitive resource materials for each of those attractions, not to mention Madame Leota's epitaph, as well as other books on Imagineering itself. So he is, of course, Jason Sorrell, and his latest book is all about Imagineering at its peak as he covers the Disney mountains around the world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't build roller coasters. Anyone can throw up a rickety wooden roller coaster or, you know, a steel coaster. We don't do that at, at Walt Disney Imagineering. We tell stories, and, and that's something that Walt started with, with the Matterhorn bobsleds. You know, he did not want to build a typical amusement park roller coaster. He wanted to, to recreate the experience of bobsledding down, you know, to, to, to quote the spiel, the icy slopes of the majestic Matterhorn. So from the very beginning, he was telling stories in these quote-unquote thrill rides, a fully fleshed-out three-act story of Br'er Rabbit. This year's Mouse Fest was my fourth consecutive, and it once again brought together great friends and new acquaintances. I thought that we would recap what was an amazing few days in Walt Disney World, but rather than just have me kind of tell you about my opinions and experiences, I wanted to instead have a roundtable-type discussion with other attendees as well as friends of the show. Now, First, this is the <laughs> When you guys were, I think, ceremoniously waiting on pirates or getting off of pirates, uh, that was about the time that uh, my cell phone got knocked into the monorail track at the uh, Ticket and Transportation <laughs> Center. <laughs> and, and then, you know, basically, if anybody's listening and the, and the monorail got shut down for a brief period of time, right around 5 o'clock, 4.35 o'clock, <laughs> that was all me. <laughs> You know, please stand somebody, clear of my phone. Broke, somebody, somebody broke my heart on a monorail back in May, but we won't, we won't talk. Joining me this week in an exclusive interview is Samantha Brown, host of a number of popular series on the Travel Channel, 
including a number of specials about Walt Disney World. With what can only be described as the greatest job in the world, it is my pleasure to welcome Samantha Brown from the Travel Channel to the WDW Radio Show. It's a quite an intro. Thank you. <laughs> when I met him, I'm like, oh my gosh, you are a rock star. I mean, the people <laughs> that are like, you got to ride with Joe Rody, And he is this, you know, when we do those segments, people should know we can't do them when the park is open. So we've arrived at like, you know, 5.36 a.m. <laughs> so you're basically like just waking up. And, and what a great way to start the day, right? You know, Expedition Everest with Joe Rody, And he has this personality that, my gosh, he could just, what that man knows and what he experiences and how he puts those experiences to paper and then to model and then to the actual attraction so that people actually experience what goes on in his mind is is wonderful. So I also like to present these topics in some fun and different ways, often with the help of special guests. And this week, I want to once again welcome back Tim Foster, author of the Guide to the Magic books, including the all-new Guide to the Magic for Kids, for yet another Top 10 with Tim segment. All right, so I named, I, I'm kind of made that up on the fly. not sure if it's going to stick or not, but Tim, welcome back, buddy. <laughs> hey, always a pleasure to be here, Lou. Thanks. Top 10 with Tim. I, I kind of like that. It's got a nice... I, I really like it. Well, of you course. Got one I'm... vote for me. <laughs> got it. One vote for me. I love it. I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show one of my all-time favorite guests, Samantha Brown from the Travel Channel. Now, you mentioned things like Tower of Terror, and then on the opposite mm-hmm. of the spectrum, you have Turtle Talk with Crush, and somewhere in the middle, you've got the teacups. So are you more of a, a Thrill Ride fan, or is Winnie the Pooh sort of more your speed? Well, you know, that's a good question. I, li- I like them both. I, I love roller coasters. I love being scared. and uh, But I also love uh, Soarin' Over California, which is more of an emotional thrill than just a you know, scared out of the seat of your pants thrill. And uh, so that, that's what I like about Disney so much is they just have, they run the spectrum in terms of of really making you feel alive and thrilled and exhilarated in, in many different levels. You know, I don't get to see the shows. Um, that's a very good point. There, I've We've very rarely showed live shows. And what we don't see on camera, we don't do because, again, I'm not there I'm not like on my downtime getting into line and seeing something. Unfortunately, we have to keep to the schedule and go. So, so I actually do miss out on a, a few things that I'd like to do while I'm there. But uh, so I, I don't. Uh, I've never seen a show. Well, I will, I will extend the invitation next time you're down to take you to go see Finding Nemo the musical because you're missing something is spectacular. Is that the one to see? That is the oh, one okay. to see. If I ask you to think about modern day Disney Imagineering, one of the first names and faces and likely earrings, that comes to mind is that of Joe Rohde. He is one of the principal creative forces behind not only Disney's Animal Kingdom, but lately Expedition Everest. He's currently the executive designer and vice president of creative at Walt Disney Imagineering, and I had a chance to speak with him for just a few minutes during the Disney's Animal Kingdom 10th anniversary event. What were some of the challenges that you faced as you were designing and creating the theme park? Well, you know, the the fundamental challenge is the contrast between the illusion of the park, of this place of beauty and nature, and then the fact that, of course, it's this very, very complicated design machine that has to handle all these people and all these animals and all these things going on. And we don't want you, the guests, to have to think about any of that. So it is maintaining this illusion, maintaining the quality of this theatrical illusion is the everyday challenge of both design and operation of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, the real 
chief magic official is Justin. I'm still still kind of grasping at, at, at what all it entails and what what all it means, and and um, it's it's just been absolutely an, an incredible thing to to be able to share with my family and my friends and and Disney fans all over the world. So thank you again for having me on your show. I'm here with Kevin Rafferty. He is a senior concept writer and director from Walt Disney Imagineering. Kevin, welcome to the show and congratulations. Hi, Lou. Thank you very much. We're very happy, very excited that this is open and uh, boy, it's just causing a lot of excitement. Uh, exactly. And it, it, it's an exciting day, not just because it's a new attraction, but it's one that really brings a whole new level of guest interactivity to the parks. It really does. It raises the bar to for a um, an interactive ride game experience for the entire family. And what we did is, was we mixed the, the cast of characters from Toy Story with the traditional Midway games that you would see on any typical Midway. And we put them together to create the first ride-through Midway game experience. And every time a guest returns to experience the attraction, it's going to be a different experience for them. Speaking of Star Tours, Star Wars Weekends begins on June 6th and runs through the month. So I wanted to discuss the events, the different elements that make up each weekend, and how to get the most out of all of them, whether you're a Star Wars super fan or not. So I brought in George Darth Sidious Taylor and Glenn Grandmarf Tarkin Whalen to pull up a chair in the cantina and join me in a roundtable discussion about the weekend's events. And the beauty of this, too, is that it's fun for kids and it's fun for adults and it's fun for guys like us and people of our generation who, even if you go without your kids, you know you're still going to have a good time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and <laughs> based on this conversation, you see, we do, don't even need to have kids to have fun and <laughs> just start spouting out lines from the movie. So <laughs> You don't need to see his fast pass. <laughs> <laughs> These aren't the dorks we're looking for. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think this will be a day long remembered. It's seen the end of Mungello and we'll soon see the end of this podcast. So. <laughs> Move along. Move along. <laughs> May the force be with you. I was going to say that. Dang. And also with you. <laughs> and also with you, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. It was called Walt Disney World Inside Out, and it ran in the mid-90s for a few years. And one of its hosts was J.D. Roth. Well, today, J.D. is going to join me on the show to talk about working on Inside Out. It was a great job, though, man. I mean, how much fun is it? Once a month, you get a phone call. It's like, okay, you're going to come out for this week. What resort do you want to stay at? What, you know, reservations do you want for food? I mean, it was like, it was the greatest gig ever. And you want to talk about a show that looks like you just had a blast doing, uh, you know, it really seemed to come through every week. Oh, I mean, come on, you get to hang out at Disney World and with George Foreman. You know, <laughs> he covered the food, I covered the rides. What, what better thing could you possibly ask for? I mean, that, that's not really like a job. Thanks. Hey, it's always nice talking to someone who actually, you know, knows what they're doing and does their homework um, and appreciates, you know, all the hard work that, uh, that, I, that I've definitely tried to put in over the years. So um, I appreciate you saying that. And you know what? Just because of this conversation, I'm going to call the people that did Inside Out years ago, and I'm going to see if it's worth bringing that thing back. I'm, I'm also I'm not sure it's, it's sunk in yet. It's, it's just been absolutely an incredible thing to, to be able to share with my family and my friends and, and Disney fans all over the world. I've been a, a Disney fan my entire life. I was floored. I couldn't believe that this was, was really actually happening. <laughs> 
I know that I'm, when, I, when I go out in this position, the really neat thing about this job is it's not about me. It's about all of the dreams that I'll get the chance to see come true. And the really cool thing there is we can take other people's dreams you know, with us and we can hopefully inspire the people that we know and the people we interact with to keep those dreams going. Not long after I wrote my first book in 2004, I realized very quickly that giving back to the community and helping others was going to be an important part of what I did. So I start off by knowing that I was going to take a portion of my the proceeds from the sale of my book and trying to somehow give back. And after my father got sick and I spent a lot of time up at Memorial Sloan Kettering and saw kids that really needed a bit of that magic, I started the DisneyWorldTrivia.com Dream Team Project, where we wanted to work to try and help send some of those kids to a place that we all love and enjoy so much. Before I go into talking about the auction items themselves, I want to say thank you to Tracy and Meg and April and Lori and Pat and Janet and everybody else that's going to be at Magic Meets because none of this would happen without you. And of course, Pat, who has been the auction coordinator and for the past three years (laughs) has really worked tirelessly on, on making this happen and spearheading this. So first... I want to say thank you for to you and everybody else for what you guys have done. Thank you, Lou. That's very nice. Obviously, this is not a video podcast because <laughs> <laughs> tirelessly would not fit. <laughs> We've been wrapping now for uh, two days. We started about 9 a.m. this morning. It's now 10 o'clock at night, and we are definitely not tireless. <laughs> Oh, well, considering this is like the fourth or yeah, this is about the fourth or fifth time we're actually trying to do this after the you know falling episode and Cabana Boy references and and whatnot. So, and I can't thank my volunteers enough for all the hard work. I can't thank all the people who've donated items, who have made uh, sponsorships for us, and who are going to come and bid on the meets. We thank you all so much. Yeah, this was not about this weekend. This has been going on for the past twelve months. So, thank you to everybody, and uh, see you guys at Magic Meets. In the true spirit of adventure, we have created the Adventureland Challenge Contest. The ultimate adventurer is going to win the DisneyWorldTrivia.com gift pack and an iPod Nano, a digital camera. But, of course, those are all great things, Lou, but we need to give them a place to really use those items, don't you think? So, the ultimate adventure and up to three guests will also receive, and obviously this is the grand prize, five nights and six days at the Walt Disney World Resort at a select Disney Deluxe Resort. Plus, they'll be getting a Magic Your Way Park Hopper Pass for six days for each person in the party. Plus, private round-trip airport transfers from Orlando International Airport to get them to and from. In the spirit of Disney, in my personal belief in plussing things up every chance we get, we have some special little extras as well. And because you and I, Lou, we both know that food is an absolute must and one of the most important parts of a Disney vacation, we're also adding the Disney dining plan to the package. Nice. And... What would a VIP vacation 
B without VIP treatment. So we plan to upgrade the winner to enjoy concierge club-level access at their deluxe resort as well. Plus, we're going to toss in an American Express gift card valued at $1,000 to spend any way they like towards transportation to Orlando, souvenirs, and so forth. We want to make sure that this is a perfect experience for the winner. So members of my team and I will have a personal pre-arrival planning session with the winner to tailor the trip to the guest dreams. Um, We're planning to include some surprise pixie dust moments that I really don't want to give away just yet. But I can say that I'm going to offer Lou Mangello up as a personal cabana boy (laughs) at some point. If you think that... The six days, five nights at a deluxe resort with concierge, $1,000, the dining plan, the tickets, the round trip, all the other stuff is is big. <laughs> what you don't know is really what's going to make this an incredible trip. That and the DisneyWorldTrivia.com gift pack, of course. So this week, Tim is going to do his best not to stink up the joint as we count down our list of not the sights or the sounds but the smells of Walt Disney World. So, of course, I want to welcome back Mr. Top Ten himself, Tim Foster from GuideToTheMagic.com. Your introductions are getting better and better. I spend weeks on these things. (laughs) I'm going to move to the third on my list, and this is one that kind of gets one of the asterisks because you you got to work with me here, people, and and follow (laughs) along with me. Some of the attractions, some of the water-based attractions in Walt Disney World, specifically the ones that come to mind, are Pirates of the Caribbean, It's a Small World. They have a smell to them. They've got – the only way I could describe it is the musty water smell of the indoor water-based attractions. <laughs> it, don't laugh. Come on. Tell me you know what I'm talking about and that I'm not completely insane and that I just need to spend more time riding rides. Please just agree with me for my sake. Lou, that's a wonderful, wonderful choose. Um, <laughs> this is why Samantha Brown is coming back and you're not, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward five years and now plant yourself in the middle of Pennsylvania in a room with more than 550 like-minded fans of all things Disney, many of whom didn't just spend the day, but instead made it a weekend-long celebration. And if you were there, you know how much fun we had. And if you weren't, I wanted to help share with you what you may have missed and hopefully encourage you to attend next year. It was a kind of name, Disney name that tune. And I thought Magic Tunes was just a a great way to start the weekend. It was so much fun. And, you know, being somebody that participated, I really thought that it was important to have a visual element and just the audio (laughs) element. (laughs) Yeah, I think. Go ahead. Somebody explain while we're laughing, so it doesn't sound like it's an in joke. (laughs) The best was Horizons, but that's. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let me just lead you on, Fred. The way you had it, the way they had it set up was that there was going to be sort of an elimination round, and somebody would be eliminated, somebody would move on to the second round, and at one point, I had moved on to the next round. Deb Wills, who was sitting next to me, was eliminated, and Steve Barrett and Annette Owens were left. And they were having trouble getting some of the clues. So in order to keep the game moving, I tried to give them some sort of visual charades. And I guess maybe my horizons was a little bit, (laughs) wasn't exactly as evident since I think Annette said golf ball for some reason. (laughs) I think Soren came up. Soren, right, right, because she thought I was doing a golf ball. Um, 
But I think the um, I, I think the next one is probably the one that, yeah, may have sealed my fate. <laughs> <laughs> I see it Cap- like it so, was yesterday. So, Captain EO. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I tried to do I tried to make it look like I was describing Michael Jackson and I I can't even uh, play I don't no, well. no, you, you can't you gotta picture you gotta picture this. This is the way the best way I can describe it. So the funniest part I think I didn't know what was who was funnier. I thought watching Lou, first he's trying to do the glove thing, but he's flailing his hand around so fast and pointing at it that nobody's getting it. But the best part was that if Deb was watching him and she was copying it. So then Deb is doing it now, too. So they're both trying to frantically make it look like a glove. And then Lou finally gets up and starts, you know, it was just so fast that, you know, nobody was expecting. He gets up and he starts doing the moonwalk. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole whole room, I mean, I think the video says is going to say it all because the whole room at that point just bursts out laughing. It was just hilarious. No, I think the funniest part about it was... Again, I, my poor kids, I hope they never see that video and, and have to laugh at their father. But after everybody starts stops laughing, Steve Barrett, just so deadpan, goes, Captain EO, like, come on, I, I knew it all along. <laughs> <laughs> now, so seriously, was there, yeah. Was there reference to a nose job in there too there, Lou? Because I saw a little bit of nose grabbing. I was trying to. <laughs> you know what? Why don't we move on to the, to the rest of the weekend's events? Because oh. I, I just... <laughs> I'm digging myself deeper and deeper here, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, but let, let's give credit where credit's due. Lou, you did win the the event that evening, so kudos to you. It might have been a pity win. I think they just felt sorry for me after the moonwalk and gave me some easy ones. But and something that Fred has been kind enough to allow us to do is hold a Dream Team Project charity auction for the past number of years. We're going to talk about. What we did this year number-wise, because I want to talk about some of the other efforts, but last year was our biggest year to date. And tell us what it was, the number that we raised last year, that a number that I thought we would never surpass. Last year's total was $9,000. Yeah, and, you know, my reaction last year of, of stunned silence. Um, <laughs> I don't think you were stunned silence. Listen, we had just to call get you it- a chair and uh, <laughs> tissues. <laughs> Just call it stunned silence and leave my dignity intact for a little while. <laughs> but I uh, must have been at the moonwalk. But yeah, but you know it's uh, quiet over there. Block. It, it's really <laughs> such uh, a boy. I don't. I knew this was a bad idea. It's really a testament to the community, and I don't mean just one community, like the Disney trivia community or this one's community. It's all of us as community of fans. And somebody said to me the next day that this event is so much about. Not what you get walking around the tables and winning prizes and, and doing things, but it's what you give. Last year, as they all total, we had made the $9,000. And thankfully, the economy didn't seem to bother people. Charity won out. And the total for the auction was $19,777.76. And then Lou steps up and says, I'll chip in the balance. And it's an even $20,000. Wow. I mean, think about that. $20,000. Now, I know I, I know I can speak for everybody when I say that no one was expecting that kind of figure this year. This week's show is very special, as I'll be devoting an entire episode to a single segment, and more importantly, a single man. He is Richard M. Sherman, and you know him as one of the Sherman brothers, 
the most successful songwriting team in history, and the name that defines the music and mood of so many Disney films and theme park attractions. Mr. Sherman joins me in this one-on-one interview about his career beginnings, time at the Disney Studios, working for and with Walt Disney, and the stories behind the stories of working on timeless classics like Mary Poppins and legendary songs such as It's a Small World and hundreds of others. It was a, <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, we walked into this the office. We didn't realize we were going to play the song for Disney himself. We played it for, for this executive, music executive, and he said, yeah, that sounds like a great song for the picture. we got to play it for the boss. And I said, well, who's the boss? They said, well, Walt <laughs> Disney, of course. So I said, you mean we're going to play for this icon? We, we never realized we'd ever meet the man himself. We just uh, were in this office. And so he brought us uh, into the, the actual offices of Walt Disney, and he was sitting behind a desk, very occupied, writing, uh, signing some autographs or something like that. And uh, his opening line to us, are you fellas really uh, brothers, or are you just sort of using that name? Because when I was in Vaudeville, we used to have brother acts, and we never were brothers. And he <laughs> completely threw us, because he was so funny and, and sort of friendly. And we said, oh, no, no, we really have the same parents. And Mr. Disney says, no, call me Walt, call me Walt. He didn't like to be called Walt, uh, Mr. Disney. The thing about working at the Disney studio under Walt was this. He was a member of the team. He was a, a, a great spark plug, a, a, a listener, a remarkable listener. He could discern what would work and what wouldn't work. Uh, he inspired everybody that worked for him. And everybody is trying so hard to please the boss. I mean, that, that was the whole thing. And if he told you a story, it was the most important story that ever was told by humankind, because he had this ability to hypnotize you, to get you so excited about some episode of Zorro or something that you just would kill yourself to write the perfect number for it. I mean, we had no idea Louis Primo was going to do it. All we knew was that we were writing about this ape, and uh, we, we had to write a funny song about a scary ape and make him to be fun instead of scary. And so we made him the king of the swingers, and that gave us a jazz number. Let me just say, we were given an assignment to, by Walt to write a song that would tell the story of, with, with broad strokes of how life has changed through man's ingenuity, man's uh, reaching further, uh, challenging the envelope and going further. But we didn't say to reach out to people in loving kind. We just sort of imply it because Walt would never want us to lay it down like a trowel, just put it on with a, with a feather. And so we just implied that. He loved impl- implied ideas. It was always, he was very quick to grasp an idea like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down has nothing whatever to do with sugar and medicine it has to do with an attitude if you have a a bright attitude about something a sweet attitude a tough job becomes easier you look at the bright side of it feed the birds tuppence a bag has nothing to do with the price of of breadcrumbs (laughs) two pennies to buy breadcrumbs it says it doesn't take much to be kind and do a kind deed to give love it costs nothing tuppence is it's nothing, no money. It's just giving it from yourself, from your heart. But we don't say those words. We just say, feed the birds, tuppence a bag. Oh, my goodness, you really are a researcher. That was great. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he said to us when we were young, young guys starting out, and he, he made the challenge. He said, keep it simple, singable, and sincere. And as he was walking out the door, and he says, and make it original. <laughs> that was it. And he says, now, what kind of song are we going to do? And I remember the first thing popped into my head was I said, well, it's a tropical room. Let's do a, a tropical rhythm like a calypso. He says, okay, it's calypso. going to be sung by parrots. 
<laughs> and he said, I need this right away because we're going to have to start the whole thing with a song. And uh, I remember Bob and I being songwriters. He said, tiki is a great word. If we played with the word tiki, 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 that sounds kind of cool. So he said, what about if we call it the tiki, tiki, tiki room? He said, that's it. Okay, you're going to write me that song and explain what it's all about. And with that, we ushered out the door and we went off to write it in a hurry. <laughs> and it's the longest running show song I think it's ever been performed it's, it's made all kinds of records now it's 40 some years it's been playing yeah. in the tiki 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 room that song <laughs> I feel blessed to, uh, that I had the opportunities to write these things there are a tremendous amount of very gifted people I'm sure the people that are listening to this there's a lot of people out there that have a lot to say and, and, and are dying to say it and you got to keep trying and putting your foot in that door and making yourself available because one day, something good can happen. It can happen. He was doing a big sales pitch on, on, on uh, what they were doing for the Carousel of Progress, and he wanted us to sing the song. We didn't know he would sing it with us. And he, uh, he said, prop the lyric up so we can do it together. So uh, on the piano there, we did one take, really, and sang the song, and he said, you know, kick your heels up when you go off when I tell you to. So, okay, we did that. And there, for the one and only time on film, he actually said, the Sherman Brothers write the wonderful, a lot of the wonderful songs, you know, at the Disney Studios. <laughs> well, he, he said wonderful <laughs> songs to us, but not directly to us. He said it to the GE people. Well, sure enough, he got his money and he finished his, <laughs> his pavilion. <laughs> but, and, and is it true that, that Feed the Birds really was a personal favorite of Walt's and one that he often would ask you to come in and sing and play for him on the piano? That's absolutely true. Walt uh, fell in love with that song because he, when he heard it the first time, uh, we, when, at that first propitious meeting when we first told him our ideas of how we could do Mary Poppins as a musical, he, he asked at the end of that meeting, play that bird lady thing again. So I played, it was not completed, it was just about 16 bars. I, I sang it for him and he listened to it intently and he said, that's the whole story, isn't it? And he said, that is the story, Walt. That's the story. I will make, I will plead my case once again as to why Peter Pan is undoubtedly the best character ever. And here you go. My legal argument in 60 seconds. He never has to grow up. He can fly. He lives on a beautiful private island that people would pay tens of millions of dollars for in this market. He's got a group of friends that hangs out and plays with them all day. He battles pirates all the time and wins. He's got a little magical pixie thing as a, as a sidekick, very, very popular among the mermaids and other women fawning over him like the mermaids and Tiger Lily and Wender. And you know what? He's a darn snappy dresser, too. There you go. 60 seconds. Why Peter Pan's the best character. The marriage of the Henson and the Disney families always just kind of made sense as they represent the greatest creative talents in family entertainment anywhere in the world. And Muppet Vision is a perfect example. And as part of its success is thanks to my next two guests. They are Jim Lewis and Craig Shaman. They are former creative writers at the Jim Henson Company and two of the incredible talents that helped bring Muppet Vision 3D to life. It doesn't. This week's show is a special one, as for the very first time, I'm going to welcome a single guest who joins me as the very first co-host for the day. Winner of the Dream Team Project charity auction lot, Lori Burke is going to pull up a chair and a microphone for a number of segments with me. You may know her as Lori Loves Tigger on the forums, but in real life, she is Lori Burke, and I want to welcome my, yikes, 
first co-host for the day to this week's show. So, Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lou. I am so excited to be here. I can't stand it. <laughs> well, I am I am very excited to have you. Excited, scared, it all means the same thing at this point. So. You should be. <laughs> Tell the listeners what you what you put in as your final and winning bid uh, on on the co-host for a day. Do I have to cuz I never told my husband what it was? <laughs> well, hopefully your husband won't listen, but but oh. <laughs> please do. It was $500. All right, I have to ask you the question that I know everybody is thinking. What the heck were you thinking? You know you could have come on the show if you just came to me with a segment idea and didn't have... I mean, I, I'm, I am humbled and flattered and incredibly grateful, but holy cow, Lori. Um, I don't know. You're worth it, and it was for charity, and it was just, I don't know, just something I always wanted to do, and I... If you would have had me on the show before, I probably wouldn't have bid on it, but I knew I had to pay to get on here. <laughs> Well, again, I cannot thank you enough for doing that and for such generosity. Oh, this was a blast. I can't wait to do it again. Uh, you what? <laughs> <laughs> no trip to Walt Disney World would be com- no research trip to Walt Disney World would be complete during Food and Wine Festival without a review of the Food and Wine Festival, and no review could be as good as doing a review live at the Food and Wine Festival. So I am joined by Pat Disney Dame Whitson. Val and her husband Steve, and for the first and possibly last time ever on the show, my lovely and talented and oh so supportive of my research trip wife's Deanna. And over in Argentina, the beef and corn pie was like a little. This is what you had. No, he had a great name for this one. Man quiche. Oh, it was a, yeah. It was a man quiche. It was a quiche, <laughs> but it was all beef and good stuff, and it was yeah. hot and. Uh, you felt like a man eating. Is that beef? What else is in there? The, uh, beef and corn. I'm not sure there's egg. It's a corn pudding with peppers and beef and uh, kernels of corn. And, and do you feel like a man eating this quiche? Well, I wouldn't have gone to that description, but uh. the thing I really liked, I think the best was, was the grilled beef with chimichurri sauce. It had like a cilantro. And a, a like a basil flavor basil. with mashed potatoes, like a garlicky mashed potato on the side. That was exceptional. And the meat was definitely very tender, and it did melt in your mouth. It, it was did. delicious. It did yeah, you can almost cut it with a fork. And why is there actually any left over? Thank you, Pat, for, for helping to clean that up for us. I've now found somebody who is, like I said, taking the opposite end of the spectrum. We're eating our way. You are, in fact, drinking your way around the world? I most absolutely am. Do you even remember what your name is at this point? I do, but I'm not going to tell it to you. Just make up a name. All right, we'll we'll call you... My name is... Jasmine. Jasmine. I love Jasmine. Jasmine. Okay, Jasmine. It's a good name. And you're drinking a... Mango Margarita. From? Mexico. Mexico. Okay, now you said this is not your first... Obviously, this is clearly not your first drink. (laughs) You said you have recommendations as to what to drink around the world. Yes. Okay. First of all, mango margarita all the way. Out of any flavor in Mexico, mango is the best. Okay? Okay. After the big announcement in July 2008, three rounds of challenges and thousands of online entries and votes, the time has finally come to crown the grand prize winner of the WDW radio show Adventureland Challenge Contest the true ultimate adventurer. But rather than me just read the name, here's the phone call I just made to the winner. Hello? Hi, is Kathy there, please? Yeah, that's me. 
Kathy, this is Lou Mangello. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? Kathy Adams. You're the winner of the WDW Radio Show Adventureland Challenge Contest. You are the ultimate adventurer, and you're going to Disney World. Woohoo! <laughs> That's so awesome. We're going to look at the top ten sounds of Walt Disney World. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship. That sounded like uh, Walter Matthau, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That was really horrible. We're going to start off this week with our tribute to the Adventurers Club. To explore the club with me is my friend and internationally recognized Disney historian, Jim Corcus. Disney tells stories. So every one of these buildings, all of this area is going to be part of a gigantic story, and it's going to reinforce that story. And to help that out, uh, they created this whole mythology, which became very, very elaborate, and a lot of the design you see in there is Joe Rohde, because what would happen is uh, uh, once a month on Sunday, Joe at his Pasadena house would have what was called the Last Days of the Raj, R-A-J, and... um, it was a celebration of, of explorers and uh, British colonization of, you know, exotic countries and all that. And they would all go to the uh, uh, Rose Bowl uh, swap meet in Pasadena. And they would pick up masks and they would pick up figurines and artifacts. And they all come back and all of that. Some of those things actually migrated into the Adventurers Club. In this week's trip aboard my Walt Disney World Wayback Machine, We're going to travel back to Walt Disney World's very early history, not to look at a show or an attraction or even a restaurant, although if we had time to, I'd love to stop by the Adventureland Veranda and check out JP and the Silver Stars. But instead, we're going to journey back into a time even before Walt Disney World had officially opened to the public. And we're going to sort of set up our explorer's camp on the shores of what's going to be the Seven Seas Lagoon. And we're going to take a look at the Lost Resorts of the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I think I have a little crush on uh, Dory. <laughs> so so I might talk about her a little too much. Lee Cockrell, former executive vice president of operations at the Walt Disney World Resort, is going to talk with me about his background, work with and for the company, and his new book, Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney. It's a fascinating look at the work and more importantly, the people backstage that make the magic for us as guests. When I talk about that one uh, strategy there, make your people your brand, well, in fact, that's what it is. The brand at Disney are the frontline cast members, because I guarantee you, if you go home and you've been here a week, when you think back about what a wonderful experience you have, you'll be thinking about people. You'll be thinking about that lady who helps you at 10 o'clock at night, that guy who helps you in the restaurant. They already know the attractions and entertainment is going to be great. What blows people away are our people. It's incredible. Can we mention the word um, cast members? Because it, rather than a, a cast is a performer, so they don't do their job there. Everyone goes and does their job. At Disney, they perform their jobs. Uh, my first uh, cast experience, I think, was the super waiter Dan at the Concourse Steakhouse. And he just turned our an ordinary ordinarily meal into something special pretty much by giving me two cream spinaches which was awesome but um, just notice by the way it always comes back food. to food I know it's right. food it's food <laughs> that was actually so much for you I did that as a tribute to you Lou, so um, point out that exceptional cast member by name they will appreciate it and for them that 
is what's going to make their day or their memories for them. And I think that's a great way for us to sort of show our appreciation. And don't forget to get the cream finished. <laughs> right? uh, but why do I have a feeling I'm getting 20 cases of cream? <laughs> Just in time for Christmas. It was good. Well, well, does everybody here like funnel cakes? Yes. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Funnel cakes. Not together. Not together. Yeah. Oh. Let's see the top 10 foods we don't want to eat together at Walt Disney World. Um, next segment. So. Now, Justin, what about you? Now, now, not from a, a CMO perspective, but from a, a guest perspective, because obviously you were you were a fan first. I mean, were there were there moments that you found that that maybe hit home for you, and maybe sort of led you to wanting to get the position that you now have? Uh, I have lots of them, and absolutely none of them include cream spinach. I, I apologize. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be out of the loop on this one, but. This week's top 10 might top the list of top 10s as far as those that are very subjective as well as hard to quantify. For this week, Samantha Foster joins me as we discuss discuss our top 10 gulp sentimental moments in Walt Disney World. Those those things that just get you all teary-eyed. And joining me, as always is the man that I promise I will strangle if he gets me all choked up and makes me cry on my own show. <laughs> Tim, celebrate good times. Come on, Foster. Yeah, well, I'll steal it. Your, yours is wishes. Mine is most definitely Illuminations. And it's, uh, as you said, it's, it's the music. It's the spectacle. You know, my daughter will never remember when or why I hugged her the way that I did. The first time she saw it, and she will never remember it. And she was very, very young, but she, you know, the music and the people and the and everything else for her. But I mean, I did it with, you know, a red face and tears in my eyes. And I know that my wife got it, and we sort of just gave each other that look. And uh, I think I just got kicked out of Fight Club. As we were approaching show number 100, a number of listeners emailed me asking what I was going to do, and a few had even suggested that I somehow tie in what we were doing with the show with the Dream Team Project's fundraising efforts. And when talking to Pat Whitson, who's Disney Dame 2004, who, as you know, spearheads the annual Magic Meets auction and gathers donations and leads the wrapping team and doesn't sleep very much in the months coming up to July and so, so much more for the for the charity. The light bulb sort of went off, for her anyway. And the idea for 100% of our goal for 100 shows was born. So since we're here, since we finally made it to show 100, I wanted to have Pat join me to give you guys an update on just how we did. So Pat, welcome back. Thank you, Lou. It's great to be here again. So I mentioned this on the show after we had talked. You said it just makes sense, 100% of our goal for 100 shows. And I think I threw it out there around show number 93 or so and asked listeners to help out really any way they could so that we could reach 100% of our goal through First Giving so that money would go over to Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And at the time, our goal was $45,000. We, we were at about $40,000 or so when I, you know, put the call out there. So why don't you tell us what happened since then before we give the updated number? 
Right. We were sitting, you know, it was just just shot, just over 40,000, and we'd kind of been sitting there for a little while. And putting out the call, we had six weeks. And it's just amazing the response that we received. So many people stepped up and anywhere from $10 to $200 to $392. It's just amazing the numbers of people that came forward and out of their generosity and, and the goodness of their heart helped make, you know, one, make a milestone for us, which, you know, $45,000 to make a wish in 18 months uh it's an incredible number and just so many people that stepped up and and made that 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 generous donation that's going to make so many wishes come true and it came from so many different ways you know some people did it because they wanted to contribute for 100 shows other people like tracy and Lori and so many others were raising money as part of their marathon quote-unquote training efforts <laughs> um, some people just donated you know for whatever reason like you said the donations ranged from you know small amounts but every dollar helped to hundreds of dollars and every little bit every donation means the same um, because everybody was able to help and honestly I wasn't sure that we were going to be able to make it um, the economy was tough and I and I understand that and then you've got the holidays and you've got Thanksgiving and everything else going on. And it's tough sometimes to come up with that little bit of extra money. But, you know, in those last few days, there was that flurry of donations that came in. And uh, as we're recording today, January 4th, 2009, the day that the 100th show at some point is going to go live, give us our, the, the total that we have. I can't even say totally the subtotal that we have right now. Right this minute, First Giving says $45,470.95. That's over our 100%. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. And I just love the spirit of the contributors. Uh, We reached the $45,000. And then right after that, another contributor came in and said, might as well keep going. Yeah. it's fantastic because there's definitely no shortage of wishes out there. And every dollar just goes to make more magic for more kids. And it was actually just appropriate when it happened because you and I and our families actually happen to be out having dinner. And uh, simultaneously, our cell phones are ringing and buzzing with phone calls and voicemails and text messages from people letting us know that we had reached the goal. So people were watching it very, very closely. Yes, uh- Apparently more closely than we were at that particular moment because we were out eating and uh, both phones go off at the same time. I mean, your phone going off is no surprise. My phone going off, that's another story. (laughs) So we knew something big was going on when it suddenly started chiming repeatedly that uh, there was something, uh, something was up. And I can't say I've never been happier to be interrupted by the phone at dinner time uh to get that message that we had actually had surpassed you know, had reached the goal and then surpassed the goal and you know it's just an amazing feeling it's it's just wonderful to know that so many people are out there to help these kids make some dreams come true and it's a dream come true for us to be a part of it yeah and it took a little while for it to sink in for us because we were kind of making sure the kids weren't laying on the hibachi table at that point <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, well, wait, we made $45,000. Ryan, get out of the soup. You know? yeah. No, Marion, uh, you can't pick Ryan up with your chopsticks. <laughs> <Right. yeah. laughs> 
But you're right. And, uh, you know, I, I've said it from the beginning that I'm just honored to be able to be a part of this. But this is this is all you guys. This is you who helped coordinate these things and everybody that donated. You guys did it. And you guys did it. And you should be very happy and you should be very, very proud because uh, you, you are making and, and for the dog, too. You guys will be making a difference. And uh, I, I am I'm truly, truly overwhelmed by the outpouring of support. And I cannot say thank you enough again um, for, for what you guys are able to do and let me be a part of it. I, I also I mean, I'm, I'm just cheerleader here. I'm, you know, come on, team. Let's go. Let's go. Team, go. And. There's a lot more teamwork ahead of us. I was going to say, 2008 was beyond anything I ever could have imagined when this first started out with the $20,000 at Magic Meets and the $45,000 total. And, Pat, I I think uh, 2009 is going to be something even more special. It's got a lot ahead of us, and it's, it's going to be spectacular. There's some very exciting things, I think, coming up. The auction is already gearing up. I'm getting already lots of, uh, hey, I've got something for you. And there's some really special items already being uh, considered, being you know, procured for us and uh, created a lot of some new handcrafted things I'm really excited about. And, uh, you know, good thing it's not until August this year, but (laughs) we'll be ready for that. And I think we'll be seeing a a number of other exciting uh, announcements from Dream Team Project as this year goes on. Absolutely. Well, thanks to you and all the volunteers and all the people that did fundraising on their own in their own different ways, whether it's for the marathon or for the 100th show or for whatever it was, and for every person that donated any amount of money Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. And uh, Pat, thank you again. And I have to say, I am so proud of all of our marathon and half marathon uh, runners, those who have been raising money. We're going to be down there to cheer you on because you guys are fabulous. We are just so proud of all of you for making that effort uh, for yourselves and for the Dream Team Project. And, you know, there are so many of you to name, but... You know who you are running there and we'll be out there uh, cheering you on. It's time to announce the winner of last week's trivia contest. First, I want to say thank you to everybody who played, especially over the New Year holiday. But let me recap the questions for you. And they were all about Walt Disney World in 2008. And the first question was, what two Disney resorts celebrated their 20th anniversary in 2008? And they were Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, which celebrated its anniversary on July 1st. And celebrating its anniversary on October 1st was Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort. Second question asked, Slapstick Studios opened in one of the theme parks. What is that show about or what does that show highlight? That new interactive experience opened in Interventions West on May 14th in Epcot. It's a 2,900-foot area that includes the What's Your Problem comedy show and a creative solution studio you can decorate and take home 
your own Velcro frog. So the show, what I was really looking for was Velcro. Although if you mentioned a what's your problem, I took that as well. And the final question was, what company, as part of a new 10-year alliance with Disney, now sponsors Rock and Roller Coaster, starring Aerosmith? And the answer to that is Hanes, or Hanes Brand. And before I announce the winner, what does he or she receive? They, of course, get the 2009 Walt Disney World Page a Day Calendar, a copy of the Main Street USA Audio Guide on CD, and the all-new WDW Radio Show button that he or she can wear with pride in the parks. And the winner this week is Letitia Cherney. So, Letitia, congratulations. Please send me your address, and I'll get those out to you right away. Now, unfortunately, there's not going to be a new contest this week since the show is probably going on about six hours by now. Plus, I'll be away next weekend to cover the marathon in Walt Disney World. But I promise next week I will have another contest with a new prize thrown into the package as well. So thank you all again for playing. Congratulations to you, Letitia, and everybody else who got the answers right. Again, look for a new contest coming next week. I can't even end the show with a straight face by saying that's all the time we have this week. I know the show is very long. My apologies for undoubtedly what is probably the longest show I've ever done. But I hope you had fun. I hope you enjoyed looking back with me. Thanks to Glenn, Tim, Lori, and George for joining me. And of course, thanks to all of you for listening to the show. Whether it's your first time listening or your 100th, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time, especially this week, to join me. I hope the show helps to bring a little bit of the magic from the Disney parks to you each and every week. I'm so fortunate to have reached 100 shows, so thank you again for your support. And of course, I hope to reach 100 more. I hope you'll come along with me on the ride. So a couple other quick notes this week in honor of the 100th show. I'm going to give you guys a special offer. I'm going to give you my 2009 Walt Disney World Trivia Page-A-Day calendar for just $5. I've reduced it down to just $5.00 over at the DisneyWorldTrivia.com store. I'm also going to keep my pre-New Year special of the reduced prices on the audio guides uh, to Walt Disney World, Main Street, and Adventureland. CDs, just $8.99, and the instantly downloadable version is still just $5. So we'll kind of keep that going for a little longer just to celebrate 100 shows. Don't forget, issue two of Celebrations Magazine is out. You can still subscribe and order back issues of issue one or two over at celebrationspress.com. And we are still looking for contributions from you, whether it's an article suggestion, photographs that you want to share, or a letter to the editor. You can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Of course, if you have a question you want read on the air, you can still email me at that address. Or if you want to call in, be on the air yourself, Call the new toll-free voicemail line at 888-703-2171. You know I love it when you guys call in. I have to say a big thanks after 100 shows, too, to all of my partners and sponsors, including and especially Mouse Fan Travel for all of your travel needs, Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Becky, the owner, is on the show all the time. You know I I can't speak highly enough about Mouse Fan Travel and all they can do to make your experience even more magical. All-Star Vacation Homes, they still have an exclusive discount just for WDW Radio Show listeners. That 
information is on this week's show notes, as well as Owner's Locker. They also have $50 off the sign-up fee. That is still going on just for you guys. Again, the show notes are at wdwradio.com. As promised, I have a lot of exciting things coming up in the next couple of weeks, including some surprises. I'm actually probably going to give you a sneak peek at one of them very, very soon. Maybe I'll even do it through a Twitter post. So if you aren't following me on Twitter, head over to twitter.com. You can sign up for a free account. Just follow my updates at twitter.com slash Mangello. Again, you'll find that link at the WDW Radio Show homepage and in the show notes. I'll be in Walt Disney World next week for Marathon Weekend. I'll be updating you from there, including the Where in, in the World is Lou game from the parks. For those of you who may be following along or playing at home, I'll post pictures, ask you to identify where in Walt Disney World I am. Don't forget, too, if you're going to be in Walt Disney World for Marathon Weekend, Saturday, January 10th at 2 p.m., the Tomorrowland Terrace Noodle Station, the first of the WDW Radio Show Meets of the Month, come by. It's going to be just a casual gathering of listeners and runners and people cheering on marathoners over at the Noodle Station. Come on by and say hello. Also, if you're on Facebook or thinking about joining Facebook, come on over, add me as a friend. We also have group pages for the WDW Radio Show and Celebrations Magazine. Again, all those links in the show notes. And to comment on, talk about the show with other listeners, you know, go to the forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. Those also are fun, free, very, very welcoming. And of course, you know I say it all the time, but I mean it sincerely. Thank you all so very much for listening every week. And for a hundred weeks in a row, it means so very, very much to me. Uh, Like I said, I'm looking forward to the next hundred episodes. All of 2009, I think it's going to be something special. So until next week, keep moving forward. See ya. And interviews us and up me Hardy's your ho He works all night and never does snoozes And up me Hardy's your ho Yo ho, yo ho Mangello life for me He does the best of the best And top tens with and up me Hardy's your ho Co-host for the day Much cooler than men Listen up me Hardy's your ho Yo ho, yo ho Mangello life for me and he has eyes and up me hearties your ho He always says see ya and never goodbyes and up me hearties your ho He sings, dances, has and is and up me hearties your ho And he's a lawyer in case you soon is and up me hearties your ho Yo ho, yo ho, Mangello life for me He eats him and dances, he protests, he pops and up me hearties your ho WDW Radio never will stop us enough. Hey, Hardy Joe Ho. watch the Reddit. Big thanks to Glenn Whalen and Lori Burke for putting their congratulations into song. They actually sent over the lyrics. I'm going to post those over in the show notes. Thank you so much for calling in with that. Thanks to all of you for your voicemails. Here's just a few of the ones that I received over the past week or so. Hello, Lou. It's Lisa, little Grammy on the DWT forum. And Cassidy. Just calling to congratulate you on... Show number 100. Thanks for all your hard work and time. And a big thank you to Deanna, too. And much, much success in 2009. 
Lumangelo, you've reached a hundred shows, and we've enjoyed every one. I hope there's hundreds more to come. Thank you so much for everything you do, Mangelo. I love you, and I will listen to you, Lou. Hey, Lou, this is Jesse. I thought you reaching 100 shows was a pretty good excuse for me to write you another song. I hope you enjoyed it. Congratulations, and keep the shows rolling along. Hi, Lou. This is Chuck from the Disney Daddy blog over at DisneyDaddy.blogspot.com. Wanted to tell you congratulations on your 100th episode of the WDW Radio Show. I've been listening to it since the very first episode, and I tell you what, it has been a whole lot of fun. From top tens with Tim, Samantha, whoever that guy is, to the magazine, to DSIs, and the best of the best, the WDW Radio Show has been a wealth of Disney news, information, and entertainment. So congratulations on your 100th episode, and we look forward to 100 more. Hi, Lou. This is Tony from Ocean View, New Jersey. I'm calling to congratulate you on reaching 100 shows. I truly appreciate all the time and effort that goes into producing each week's show. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Hi, Lou. This is Ricky from the Be Our Guest podcast. On behalf of our podcast family, congratulations on reaching your 100th episode. Keep up the great work, and we'll see you real soon. Disney World's a place where I love to go. All the hidden Mickeys I surely know. But I live far away, I can't go every day. It's a good thing that I have. WDW Radio, it helps my Disney knowledge grow. Hosted by Lou. Looking into things with a DSI And the rumor mill gets my hopes held high Memories clearly seen in the 